exciting. Hey, anyone got a light? Thanks. Peter, look, there's Dave and Dottie, the nudist. Well, hey there, Griffins. Dave, Dottie, what a pleasant surprise. Don't tell me you're kiss freaks, too. Kiss Army soldiers since 1977. How about you? 76? I don't think anyone knows more about kiss than I do. I'm, I'm sorry, what was that? Peter, it's not important. Let him answer, Lois. I said no one knows more about Kiss than I do. Fellas, please keep it civil. I'm not sure I like the tone of your voice, Dave. Well, throw down, if that's what you want. Name Gene Simmons' special effects mentor. Amazo the Magician. What high school did Paul Stanley go to? New York High School of Music. Paul and Gene's band before Kiss. Wicked Lester. What year did Kiss appear on the Jim Neighbors Halloween special? Quick question. It was Paul Lind, and it was 1975. Now, recite the magazine ad that brought Peter Chris to Paul and Gene's attention. Drummer willing, willing to do anything, anything to make it. Rolling Stone, October 1972. Exemplary. Rock and roll. Excellent. All right. Why, hello. It is uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of July, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Programming uh, Program. My microphone processing sounds fantastic today. I just want to sit here and speak into it all day in dulcet tones so I can hear it echo back to me. Excellent. Um... Why, hello, it is uh, Monday, and welcome to Day 12. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, it is 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, what have ye. Uh, Timmy Ryan in for uh, the vacationing. Richie Bristol today, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Uh, let's see. Don't forget. One random caller today. Uh, one random caller who gets on the air will win a copy of The Lost Boys 2. <coughs> pardon me. The Tribe on DVD. Prepare to sink your teeth into the long-awaited and highly anticipated next chapter of the cult phenomenon started by the 1987 cult classic The Lost Boys. When Warner premieres Lost Boys, The Tribe arrives on Blu-ray and DVD July 29th, which is tomorrow. From Warner Home Video, the all-new chapter stars Tad Hilgenbrink. And Angus Sutherland with appearances by, yes, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman as Edgar Frog. One random caller who gets on the air today wins a copy of The Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, on DVD. There you go. Fantastic. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Timmy Ryan. At 970.am. Uh, Here's the sad, great, terrible, and wonderful thing about that family uh, opening. A, I knew the answers to all the Kiss trivia questions positive therein. And B, uh, that is part one of a three-part series of openers that we're going to continue tomorrow and then which will be completed on Wednesday. There you go. All Kiss themes are all family guy themes. I'm not going to say. I'm just saying that's part one, part two tomorrow, part three on Wednesday. It's a little miniature story arc told only. You know what it's like? Here's the... So we just had the Family Guy opening segment there. We're going to do another thing tomorrow, another thing Wednesday. It's going to be the radio show opening equivalent of that little, it, like, cartoon that was in the, in the upper uh, right-hand corner of the big little book that you could, you know, you'd, like, flip through, and then it would be like a man jumping on a pogo stick. 
That's the dumbest reference ever because no one knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, there was a thing, and you'd flip it, and it would be a guy doing a deal. And it's just like that. Hello. It's 503-733-2970. It is Monday. Here's what's coming up in today's radio program. Uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Bob Costantini. He will be joining us from the Hill today talking about uh, the Obama campaign and other things of a news-like nature. Here's somebody we're not going to be talking to, much to my disappointment, Ira Melman. Uh, who is, Have we ever spoken to Ira Melman? I don't know who Ira Melman is. I'm assuming it's a man, but I don't really know. Uh, so, Ira Melman. Uh, it was on the clock this morning from CNN, but isn't there now? So we're gonna have to wait until uh, we'll have to wait until some indeterminate point in the future to have conversations with Ira Melman. Today, Bob Costantini, uh, Bob Costantini joining us today. Uh, we will have Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, uh, who's going to talk about uh, last night's premiere of season two of Mad Men, which I didn't get to see. So there you go, you bastards. Just prepare to lord How it is over that me. Possible. The long story. I feel like I should wait until Tim is back in the room to talk about it so Tim can engage in taunting along with everybody else. Uh, let's see. What else coming up today? Double Corpse Watch. Penis Watch coming up today. Uh, Taser Watch. Geek Watch. Uh, we'll do the top five. Uh, top five songs a douchebag guy is guaranteed to play on the jukebox at the bar where you are hanging out. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? Uh, we have a Kennewick-related high-concept topic uh, we're going to get to. Uh, and, so forth. and I just have... I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages of observations, notes, ruminations, and musings uh, fr from this past weekend that I spent ensconced in the warm bosom of my family that is Kennewick, Washington. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, that. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Sarah in just a moment about uh, your trip to Bremerton this weekend for your high school reunion. Theoretically, Richie Bristol is going to be calling us from Nevada. Uh, where hey, he's sort he flew of in last night, right? living it up. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, I think he went there last night, and then he's there today for a couple days, uh, and then he goes to see the whores on Thursday, presumably. I'm mean, assuming it all works out correctly, uh, and uh, whatnot. Uh, so we'll get to all that. Tim Ryan, uh, Tim Ryan, Tim Ryan screening the calls. Tim Riley working in the following stories for your edification today. A Mount Hood climber is killed by a falling rock. Two guys live after their car plunges into to the uh, Columbia. That unemployed Texas government who killed two at that church did so because he hated gays and liberals. Florida is timing by a fish with legs. A Florida woman attacked by a fox is shot by her husband. A Qantas wow. jet makes an emergency landing as a door opens in midair. Move over, Ted Kennedy. Now Bob Novak has a brain tumor. And Beverly Hills Hotel <laughs> security guard confirms... About that uh, little John Edwards story we had the other day. Really? Mm -hmm. About him and the mistress and the run hiding in the basement and not being able to get away. It's very exciting. Yes. Am I detecting just the tiniest bit of scratchiness in your voice today? I am. I have allergy problems again. Now, have you taken some of my Claritin? I haven't. You know, we we live in an age of miracles and and, and scientific advancement. I you should... took two of those things in the kitchen cabinet. Oh no, those don't do anything. Those are crap. Obviously not. Mm. That's just like taking a tablet filled with dust. Is that a cabinet full of crap? It is. Nothing in that cabinet works. Well, that's good. Everything in that cabinet... I'm is not that gonna... why it's free? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly, Tim. You know what that cabinet is? That is the medicinal... of less moon beds. <laughs> <laughs> that is the... Here's some, here's some medication that doesn't help you. Um, that box is the... Med... That is the medicinal equivalent of the box on, on any corner in southeast Portland that says free stuff. Take if want. That's what that is. No, no, no. you got to go up to my office to get the good stuff. Uh, uh, and Sarah will tell you about this. If you go up to my office, yes. um, there's a bottle of Claritin sitting at my desk. You know why Claritin works? Filled with chemicals. Filled with chemicals and drugs. Uh, no, who could argue with that? No, it's, and it works for like, it, it, it says 12 hours, and in my experience, it doesn't really work for 12 hours. It works for like five. But still, I mean, five hours, enough to get through the show. 
Five hours of gloriousness. It is. That's uh, true. And, and it may, and it's non-drowsy as well. In fact, if I may say so, it gives you just the slightest bit of pep. So uh, I would strongly recommend, Tim, at your first opportunity, if you are so inclined. And don't worry about it about it being like contraindicated with any drugs you've already taken because, uh-huh. as I just noted, the things in that kitchen cabinet in there, they don't do anything. They're, that's a whole lot of medicinal bupkis. All right. Uh, because, not to get off into a whole thing, but because the allergy medication you just took out of the CBS First Aid, uh, which doesn't aid anything. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not even 12th aid. It does nothing. Uh, because they've... That is a whole bunch of drugs out of which they have taken the pseudoephedrine, which is the only thing that was really effective. Uh, you know, can I just say, when I was at the pharmacy today, I was like refilling my trazodone thing, and there was a woman next to me, standing in line, had to take a number, had to wait there like 20 minutes, go up, talk to some uh, nitwit behind the counter, just to get Sudafed. I don't even mean like some super advanced kind of Sudafed, like actual, ju- the guy's like, here's your Sudafed. You now have to go to the pharmacy and with a prescription to get Sudafed. That's how insane our government has gotten. But that's the same reason why none of the stuff in that medicine cabinet works. Because they have taken the lone active ingredient out of all uh, over-the-counter medicines. And it's the fool's box. That's exactly what it is. It is, it is a whole box of placebos. That's what, It's a box of placebos. What are you going to cure your allergy wish? Well, with, I don't know, just wishful thinking, I guess. That's what that is. So there you go. It's, well, a, it's a hope chest of medicine. Then Tim. I'm going to go up to your office and look for some drugs. There you go. I guess that's the place where you'll always the PD's office. Rick Emerson's <laughs> office, full of drugs. Uh, all well, right. Thank you. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm doing very well. All right. Let's just get to it. How was your high school reunion? I had the greatest time ever. You had of, the time of, of your of, life? I really did. It was one of the funnest nights I've ever had. I have to say, honestly, 100%, it was the greatest time. My uh, my friend who was going to go with me as my date, my friend Tanea, ended up totally bailing on me at the last second. And I haven't seen Jason in years. This is the guy like, from California? Yeah, because he moved to San Francisco and he's doing like all kinds of like art stuff up there, or down there. And I was really nervous and I hadn't heard from him either. And like the thing started at 6 and it was 4.45. I'm like, this sucks. I'm drinking wine with my mom. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> And uh, finally get a yeah, I get a phone call from Jason like a little before five, before five, and he's like, "All right, I'm heading over to your house." Comes in, it was just like high school. We went through the yearbook, like drank wine, ate some crackers, like just you know caught up on the years. Then went to the party, uh, you know, and it was just like high school over again. We got to this country club, we're outside in the parking lot, you know, like chain smoking cigarettes. Like, all right, we're ready to do this. Let's go inside, you know, go inside, see everyone, you know, like people are fat, people are thin, but um. It was, it hey, was just uh, hold on. Can I, I said it here. Timmy, what's going on with the phones? Because it keeps being answered on the top bank, and then I hear it clicking on the air. Okay, yeah, just answer those on the bottom row. Yeah, if you put it on the top row, then it clicks on the air. I'm sorry, sorry, I didn't mean that. Oh, that's okay. Uh, no, so, it's, just, it's just gushing. It was just... It was did you see any of your fun. adversaries? No, but I found out this girl that kind of gave me... Actually, at this high school, I, I had a great time. It was my other high school that I went to on Whidbey Island. That was just hell for me. But, um... No, no, nobody really. A couple people got really fat. A lot of people had kids. Yeah. Like, everyone had kids. Like eventually, like, halfway through the night after Jason and I had a few of our uh, free beers, we ended up just having our name tags. All they said were, not married, no kids. Yeah, because then it just, because then it just obviates the question. It's all the BS conversation. Like, I don't know you. I'm like, no, I don't know what a bumbo is or whatever it is. I'm like, I don't know. It's like a, some baby thing. I'm like... I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, there's a whole lot of parent lingo that you don't that you yeah. that none of us are probably really hip to, uh, no, you know. And it was it was so fun, and we just drank you know a ton of free beer, and then uh, went and saw my friend's band play at the Winterland. My new vice. My new vice saw them play. It seems like it's almost anticlimactic. It seems like maybe the next time you ought to go to the high school where everybody hated you. 
Oh. I mean, because that's really where you want to go and just see everybody getting their fat on. You know what I mean? That's true, because I, I have looked at pictures of them from the high school, and they are all very miserable and fat. Hey, you're living in a trailer, and your life sucks. Good for you. Yeah. That's where you, I mean, because that's really the whole point, right? That's why you... W- I wasn't invited to that one, though, because I left my <laughs> junior year. <laughs> they didn't even invite you to the reunion. No? That's so great. That's what you should go anyway. You should crash it. Should I just show up? Well, seriously, I mean that's a big. I think I speak I have for everybody. Seen, like their their website. I think that's the reason everybody goes to a high school reunion. I mean, maybe now I say this as a guy who's never gone to one. I haven't gone to one. Tim hadn't gone to one. I think Scott Daly went, but that's only because he's Scott Daly, local celebrity. Oh, he you wanted know what? to lord it over everybody. It's when I'm going to be in New York, though. It's the 22nd through the 24th. Oh, well, screw that. Don't go to that. Yeah. Uh, but that's the reason you go back to a high school reunion if you go, because either a you know, you managed to maybe put together a little bit of a life for yourself, and you want to sort of lord it over everybody in a smug fashion. Or B, your life sucks, and so you're just going to share your misery with other people whose lives also suck. Other people who've just become huge, big, fat, baby-producing blobs. And you just want to go back. Oh, that's girl. You're fat, too. That's great. That's wonderful. I, who else is fat? Everybody? Oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Excellent. Oh, and an inordinate amount of people in my class became flaming gay, which was awesome. It was something in the water? Our pres- Yeah, our class president is now totally out. And is that what their guy- badges say? Hi, I'm Ted, flaming gay. Nice to meet you. <laughs> exactly. And that guy, remember I was telling you the one who's uh, like a fashion designer for like Perez Hilton, and he's like a backup dancer for... Jeff Wait, Hilton. hold on. You're not telling me he's a fashion designer and remember he's I gay? Remember I was reading his thing. I'm like, I totally want to see him. And uh, I- I've heard everything now. Yeah, I met up with him at the thing. And he's gonna. I'm gonna go visit him in LA. He was just really. He doesn't know. He works for Perez Hilton. No, he's a fashion designer there. So he designs clothing, like clothing lines for like celebrities and whatnot. That's pretty great. And he's also a backup dancer. And he looks like when he get out of like a big sparkly car and he's like. <laughs> Did he jump out of the car? Dude. Like hello. And he's wearing like these huge white sunglasses. <laughs> and, like it was hilarious. That's great. Um, and he's just. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm not even going to, like, try and impersonate him. It was just, it was really like funny. Carson Chrisley. <laughs> Seriously. It exactly was. He's like, what's up, girl? And came up to me. And he was talking to me about this bitch fight he got into with Bobby Trendy. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was the greatest thing ever. Uh, well, it was okay. A, it was a glorious, wonderful, amazing night. I had the greatest time. And it, um, we ended the night with my friend Jason driving me home at, like, 3.30 in the morning. And we sat and listened to blink Two's Dude Ranch. And I had, like, a couple mini bottles in my purse. So we drank a couple mini bottles and listened to one of my favorite high school albums. And then I Hello. went home. When and Rome, Sarah. It was great. All right. Uh, well, let's see. Before I do my recap here, we should say we got a couple fantastic stories coming up. And by fantastic, I mean awful. Here's a phrase you don't want to hear. Their mother's insect-infested remains. How about this? Uh, we have this. The body was discovered after a neighbor reported maggots dripping from the ceiling. There you go. That's just a little bit of the news you can look forward to later on today's Rick Emerson program. Um, all right, so... Did you watch Mad Men last night? No, see, here's the thing. I didn't. <laughs> okay, I won't bring it up. Then. No, 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 no. Well, you oh, can, oh. No, you can bring it up. I encourage you to bring it up. Just please don't, don't spoil anything for it. Because you were, you, when you stepped out of the room, I was telling Sarah that... We're gonna, it. we're gonna have Peter on later on to, to, oh. to talk about it, even though I haven't uh, seen it because because my wife and I we, we didn't get rid of cable. It's not like we just have the three channels that you get through the oh, air. Oh, I see. But we scaled back to our regular, you know, the, the basic cable. We don't, it doesn't have A and E, I don't think. Um, and so we were getting ready to go to Kennewick uh, on Saturday morning, and she said, "Well, what, what are we gonna do about Mad Men?" And I thought, "I don't know. Can't we just call the cable company and like flip it on?" And but apparently that's not the case. Apparently, if you call, she says that they actually have to come back out to the house and do something, which doesn't seem correct to me. I mean, I'm, there's probably not the well, time and place. I think they have to reattach that, that wire thing that's out But I've already got the box. Like, I, we've, like we're getting it. You get, could we, probably just crawl around out there and find out where to plug it in. <laughs> that seems like a good idea. Just go jab a screwdriver I mean, into something. I mean, stick it in holes till it works. I know a lot of people who just, they have their... <laughs> 
They have their cable line just hanging outside of their house, and they just attach it, and you have free cable. I well, of course, I wouldn't know anything about that, but but I thought that I could just call up and go like, hey, I only have the twelve channels. Like, I turn on the Mad Men channel for me, please, and then just bill me. And and then they just like flip a switch or they push a button or something. Doesn't it seem like we're at a at a usually that's the way they do it in the suburbs. They do. That's what I thought. They have but, to be on numerous occasions. But, but, but Lara's sort of claiming, and I think probably without any evidence, she's claiming that they have to come out to the house and do something. Anyway, long story short, we didn't get back from Kennewick until last night, and I didn't have time, and uh, so I got I got to try to catch up. And so after all of this sort of lead up to it, I didn't get to see it. Uh, but the word is that it was apparently fantastic, lived up to the hype. Yes. Yes. I mean, feel free to, to tell me if it was good or bad or whatever. I just It was yeah. outstanding. It was more like art than television. Ah. 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 It was art on television. Oh, uh, all right. See, now, so so she has a, here's what we, this is how lame we are. So as we were coming back into town last night from Kennewick, and we'll talk about Kennewick here in just a second, because that's what everybody oh, yes. wants to hear. You went to your hometown, too. Oh, God, it just sucked. It's just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, I saw uh, my mom and my brother uh, and my sister-in-law, and, and that was great. That's wonderful. But it's just like. You know what it is? It's like having to it's like having to eat your way to the bottom of of a box of rancid cracker jacks covered in mold like to get to the prize. I mean that's Are really you talk about your family? Yeah, but my family's the prize. Kennewick oh, is the rancid Cracker Jacks. Gotcha. You know what I mean? It's like if somebody said, look at the bottom. Hey, uh, there, here's a swimming pool filled with sewage. At the bottom is a gold doubloon. And you kind of go, well, I- crap. And so eventually you just have to hold your nose and dive in. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So that's my family is the doubloons, uh, doubloon, and, and, and Kennewick is the sewage. Um, but as we were coming back into town last night from Kennewick, we, we like, we're, we're so... Uh, sort of just agitated about the fact that we were going to be missing Mad Men. Here's what we started doing. We started calling all of, I was going to say our friends, but really Lara's friends. Started calling all of Lara's friends, going through the cell phone one by one, going, Hey, do you have cable? That's great. Uh, Are you a fan of Mad Men? No. All right, never mind. Thanks. Bye. Next friend. Hey, do you have cable? You a fan of Mad Men? Uh, Still working your way through season one on DVD. All right. Okay, bye. Hey, are you a fan of Mad Men? Really? That's great. Are you going to... Hey, what are you doing around 10 o'clock tonight? Oh, you're going to be gone watching it tomorrow. Okay, never mind. We literally started calling everybody we knew with cable last night, trying to find so we could be that couple coming over just to leech your television. Uh, you could have come to my house. Yeah, but you live, you know, like 40 miles away. And, no, that's true. And, you know, anyway, and that just would have been awkward. So... Because no, I know there's I know there's nothing that Tim Riley likes more than dropping guests at his home. Well, no, I mean you two are welcome at any time. It's the rest of the world I dislike. Well, thank you. That's the nicest thing you've ever that said. Really is. Well, I I really mean that. Well, see, now I can never wow. take you up on the offer because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> That's like a great. You know what it is? That's like whenever a friend offers to cover the check, and you go, no, 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 and, and like, but you know. Like they offer, just like just the offer means a lot, and you, you know, I, I never offer that part. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> so the love only goes so far. Okay, that's great. Well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. You're that. welcome. I just dislike the general public outside of this, of this room. Nothing wrong with that, Tim. I think it's very healthy. Uh, speaking of disliking the general public, let's talk about Kennewick just a little bit. Oh, Who yes. wants to hear an, up, an update on some of my family members? Oh yes. All right. So, um, well, I'll just say this. Um, Here's a great revelation this weekend. My brother, who works with children in a professional capacity, revealed this weekend that he despises children. So that was a great little moment. It's like, if only I didn't hate the little bastards so much. So that was great. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, one of my nephews cut off his thumb while working in a box-making factory. Ah. <laughs> In Kennewick? Yes, of course in Kennewick. Okay. No, working at a box-making factory in Manhattan. Of, of course. <laughs> it's, of, course it's in, of course it's in Kennewick. 
So uh, there you go. So I don't know if they even have a box making factory in Bremerton. <laughs> no, those places are always special. in Kennewick. It was actually. It must have taken a lot of political lobbying for them to build a box factory in Kennewick. Were they cutting the big ribbon? I mean, there must have been a lot of bribes behind the scenes to open this place. This box making factory will revolutionize the Kennewick economy. Yeah, so he's like thumbless in Kennewick. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, uh, several more members of my family have now moved to a nutcase religious compound in some tiny town in Texas where they are awaiting the rapture. Uh, no. It, uh, including my niece, who is married to, I'll say it, a moron, uh, who collects knives and talks a lot about how Barack Obama is quite literally the Antichrist. So there you go. So my relatives are all busy cutting off their digits and moving to a god compound in Texas. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? wasn't in town five minutes. Pulled up. We we, we pulled into like um, just it was it was just like a McDonald's parking lot to like get the the GPS out of the trunk. So we because I don't know where my mom lives. She moved to some new place. So we we didn't. We were just pulling into the McDonald's parking lot, going to the trunk, getting uh, the GPS, hooking it up so it would take me to my mom's house. Pulled up right between two cars, both of them, dream catchers hanging from the rearview mirror. Not yeah. in town, five minutes, uh, you see the dream catcher. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Um, so we went to, so we got into, we, we, first of all, I should back up a minute and say that we went to, uh, we went to uh, the Roseland on Friday night to see DJ Shadow and Cut Chemist, which is just an exceptional show. Oh, yeah, show. you love DJ Shadow. Fantastic. And we met some listeners there. Justin, the guy we met there, was great. Uh, so that was a great show. We got up Saturday morning, drive to Kennewick. We pull into town. It's 95 degrees. It's just hot. The sun is beating down. It just sucks. Um, but we saw uh, my mom and my, my brother and my sister-in-law. All of them were great. And then on Saturday night... So that was the weird thing is that on when you were in Bremerton, you saw My New Vice, that band who were from Portland, mm. on Saturday night, Appetite for Deception, uh, a couple of you know, who are from Portland, and the drummer and guitarist, lead guitarist from Appetite for Deception are also in Emerson Starship, so that was kind of weird. But they were all playing it at this, this sort of douchebag casino that's on the outskirts of Kennewick, and it was just... There's, I mean, there's just, I don't even know if I should bother talking about it because there's just no way to describe just, just the assembled scum and villainy at this place. I mean, it was just like... Casinos kind of grossed me out like that, too. But I mean, it was just like every, every jackass in like every, they were all about 26, backward baseball cap, lots of gold jewelry, toothpick, uh, girlfriend... Who still dresses as though it's 1989, like big hair, like pants that are just too snug over the big expanding Kennewick ass. I think that cigarette, that cigarette ash just fell into my bra. <laughs> exactly. Uh. This here's what we and it was called. I shouldn't even identify the place by name. I don't mean because it almost sounds like a knock on the Appetite for Deception guys who were exceptional. I mean, they were fantastic. Oh, they're pros. So, I was talking to Andrew this morning. I'm like, hey, that's great. Sorry about the douchebag Kennewick crowd. I have to say that Appetite for Deception is so much better than the actual Guns N' Roses was when I saw them in town last at the Rose Garden last year. Um, but we're but we're just we're, the, the, as we pull up to this casino, you know, uh, where we're going, you know, because you know, just to see Appetite and, and to uh, my wife wanted to want to play a little bit of blackjack. So we go to the casino and. As we're walking in, there's like the limo that clearly is like just the skeezy rental limo. And this couple gets out, and the woman is pregnant, but wearing like a really tight, sexy dress and a low-cut shirt as she's pregnant. Guy, of course, wearing like flip-flops, bad shorts, 
wife beater, backward hat, toothpick, gold jewelry, and they are so completely drunk, they get out of their each, they're clutching a sparks in each hand. <laughs> they get out, and they announce to no one and everyone, like they announce to the assembled parking lot, it's our 10-year anniversary! And then, and then when they just stumble in, and so, you fast forward about an hour, we're in the sort of performance lounge area inside, we're watching the band play, and the band is really, really good, and slowly but surely like all the lame white people start moving up and start dancing in front of the stage and of course who are the most enthusiastic dancers it's like douchebag guy and his pregnant wife and if, and he's doing that thing where he gets up behind it's just so gross where he gets up behind oh no 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 be, no, no you know no. be pregnant don't be pregnant i don't care but he does that thing of like first of all they're dancing to like welcome to the jungle which is not really like on the big like american bandstand hit parade you would think but whatever you know, you can dance to whatever you want to, I suppose. But he's at that where he gets up behind her, and he sort of puts his hand not on her pregnant stomach, but like sort of right below the pregnancy stomach, kind of like right near the crotchal region. And then they're doing like the sexy grind. Then they're doing like the uh, his business right against her backside grind on the floor as he like fondles her pregnancy belly from underneath. Just the worst thing I've ever seen. And then he fast forward about another 25 minutes into the set. Her shirt is falling off, uh, you know, because it's all gone over one shoulder, and she's just sort of like gyrating away. And she's got already the big pregnancy boobs, and they're threatening to come out, you know, and the whatever. And then at some point in the night, they were there with, I guess, a, a, a like another couple or a guy friend of theirs or whatever. So douchebag guy and his pregnant wife are gyrating all sexily on the floor, just getting their getting their groove on. At some point, the guy, the husband or whatever. He decides that this other dude that's there needs to join them on the dance floor for like a sexy three-way dance. So he goes over to the bar stool, grabs his friends like, dude, you got to dance with us. Starts pulling the friend onto the floor. The friend doesn't want any part of it and starts resisting. And is like, I don't want to dance. And because you got to come back. I don't want to dance. And I swear to Christ, douchebag guy then gets him in a headlock. And starts headlocking him down to the ground to try to drag him onto the dance floor. So you've got this insane, surreal thing where we're all sitting in this weird day-glow lounge watching a Guns N' Roses cover band play while a, like, a non-sexy, sort of fattish pregnant woman is there with her shirt falling off, like shaking her pregnancy belly around while her husband is headlocking another guy on the ground in like a wrestling stance. And of course, the guy who's being headlocked has a drink that's full of ice, so he's flailing around so ice is then being thrown everywhere in the bar and eventually they get into like a full-on scuffle because the guy wants him to dance and the other guy doesn't want to and the security guards have to come and kick them all out i mean it was just like the worst just the worst group of people just the dumbest stupidest batch of people you have ever seen in your life jesus that sounds eventful all right so there you go i mean i could tell more kind of stories, but what's the point i mean really they're all that that's what they are they're all that endless just tumbleweeds and check cashing places so, there you go. Oh, and did I mention that my nephew cut off his thumb working at a box-making factory? There you go. That was the high point of the weekend, finding that out. You're becoming the Davis Sedaris of Kennewick stories. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tim Riley. Uh, all right. I, I have a bunch of other notes, but they're not Kennewick-related, and they're not this weekend-related. Uh, so we'll get to those later They're good on. anytime. I suppose. I'll, I'll bust them out later. Let's do these couple of calls, we'll break, and we'll come back with Bob. Uh, Constantini. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yeah, two things. That, uh, the couple on their 10th wedding anniversary. Yeah. You know that that's probably like their 11th kid and that they started popping them out like three years before they got married oh. when they were like 12. Seriously. Uh -huh. And, um, 
two, the answer for your cable company question, in kind of ghetto areas like where I live, instead of being able to just adjust bandwidth to the house, they actually have what's called a filter. Um, I do, like, home theater and custom stuff. And, right. And uh, it, it's literally like a couple of a couple two wires together that just blocks X amount of bandwidth. So if you're savvy at all on, on what it looks like and it just looks like a big cylinder, you can just unscrew that, couple your stuff together, and then everything flows free. That, that seems legal. Yeah, they uh, put a big big uh, metal locking box on the outside of my apartment building for some reason. I have no idea why. Well, I can't imagine why that would be the case. Thank you, but, sir. But that's how that works. So All right. You'd like to know. Thank so you, my friend. For All right. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hi, Rick. What's and up, sir? Sarah. Hello. Um, this is Dante, the cab driver, and I just dropped somebody off at a clinic. Big, fat, pregnant woman, and you're not going to believe the book she was carrying. Wait. Well, I don't know. I don't even know what. Dude, parenting for dummies. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that book aptly titled or what? Oh, man. <laughs> parenting for dummies. Her. I mean, the only thing she was missing was, uh, you know, illiter overcoming illiteracy for dummies. Can I just tell you this? I won't say who it was, but we used to work with somebody who was spotted reading a sex for dummies book at one point. <laughs> True story. Guy or girl? True guy. True. Of course it's a guy. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Pregnancy for dummies. That's great. <sighs> All right, step one, lose job. Step two, pick up husband who beats you. All right, one yes? One other thing, you know, the Timmy Ryan, I know he's in there screening the phones. He's a great guy. I love what he does most of the time as yes, long sir. as he's not on the air. Um, intro song for Timmy Ryan, the last verse of Excitable Boy by Warren Zevon. It goes great with that photo you've got. All right, we'll look into it. Thank you, my friend. Okay, thank All you, right, sir. All right, there you go. All right, uh, let's take a break. Back with Bob Costantini. More of your phone calls, Tim Riley, et cetera, after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I made a lot more notes about Kennewick, but I realize there's not really any point because it's just... It's just more of the same, probably like it is in Bremerton or just any tiny town like that, where we're staying at the Super 8 Motel, which is, like, not that super, and where you sort of wake up in the morning and you kind of go, hmm, yeah, that was a good night's sleep, and, oh, God, and then it just sort of sinks in that you're there, and then you open the hotel, you know, you just walk out of the hotel into the blinding sun and, like, the 0% humidity, and you just kind of go, oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Uh, let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the hill, CNN Radio correspondent, Bob ah, Hello, sir. Good afternoon, Rick. How are you, my friend? How was your weekend? It's been a while since we've spoken. Has your life been satisfying in every regard? <laughs> um, it's generally been satisfying, yes. I, I have to admit, uh, you know, I get fed every once in a while. Or, you know, I, you know, sleep, that kind of thing. The, the usual stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should make that your official bio. Yes. <laughs> I'm fed every once in a while. I sleep, usually, that kind of stuff. All it's right. a simple life. It's a simple life. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right. If I, if I may ask, Bob Costantini, it's none of my business, uh, from, from where do you originally hail? What is your hometown? Oh, Baltimore. Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, I think you yes. have told me that, actually. All right. Yes, I'm a Baltimore boy. Uh, how, I mean, and so now, is it, do you, do you live in that vicinity? Now, I mean, I guess my question is, do you get back to your, to your original stomping grounds that often? Actually, I live up there. Okay, yes. so there you go. <laughs> um, I get the best of uh, both cities in a lot of ways. Uh, they're close enough, uh, commuter train, 
Emily takes me back and forth and that, that sort of thing. So it's, uh, uh, you know, but it is home. And it's where I was born and raised. Do you go back to your high school reunions and lord it over them that you work for CNN? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, there are probably about, uh, you know, a couple hundred guys in my high school reunion who would probably make a lot more money than I do. That's what I mean. You see, you've got marquee value, Bob. <laughs> well, yeah. all right, then. Um, so uh, let's talk about uh, our good friend Barack Obama. Uh, and so he uh, he's, just, he's doing this sort of world tour. It, what, I heard somebody refer to it as like a, a pre-victory victory lap. Um, and so I know that there's there's uh, sort of two schools of thought on this. One, uh, as uh, as Ben Affleck says in the movie Boiler Room, is you know you got to act as if uh, you know the perception is reality. Um, what is it that uh, what is it that Leo McGarry says in in season uh, two of the Western? He said, "Act as if ye have faith, and faith will be delivered unto ye." Uh, so you know if you act like a president, uh, eventually people are going to go, "That guy looks pretty presidential. I'm going to vote for him." Uh, but then there's the other school of thought that that he is going to look a little uh, premature and quite possibly smug. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, Republicans uh, over the past couple of days have been going on about how presumptuous uh, Barack Obama seemed during this trip. Um, and that's their way of trying to shoot down the idea that he was uh, you know, standing in front of a couple hundred thousand people in Berlin, uh, estimated crowds. Uh, meeting with world leaders. He even got a, a, a news conference uh, with the president of France, uh, a full-blown news conference, which is something you don't normally give to a visiting politician from another nation. Now, it is normal for people who might be a head of, a, head of state uh, to visit other countries and visit with their heads of state and potential heads of state. Uh, you know, when, when you're such close allies with uh, the Europeans, uh, countries that he visited. Uh, so that's kind of normal, but it's very unusual to have a huge uh, speech in front of, uh, you know, a throng uh, in Berlin. And to get a full-blown news conference with the president of France uh, was, uh, was really, really unusual and, uh, you know, smacked of kind of like the presumptuousness uh, uh, on the, you know, as far as the, a lot of the Republicans were looking at it, well, and then pompous, if you will. None that, I mean, just uh, objectively speaking, just from a political or journalistic vantage point, uh, doesn't it have, doesn't John McCain, who I think was at some, I don't know, he was at like some, some German bed and breakfast in like, yeah. you know, in like Pittsville, uh, doesn't John McCain run the risk of looking kind of small uh, compared to Barack Obama if this sort of thing continues to happen? Well, he does. Uh, he, you know, he certainly didn't get a lot of media attention last week, but he tried to point up some irony by uh, being in a German uh, restaurant or whatever it was uh, uh, here in the United States uh, to, uh, you know, say I'm I'm home. I'm taking care of, uh, you know, the problems that we have here in the United States. And even Obama uh, admitted at a, a black journalist or a journalist of color forum uh, yesterday. That uh, you know, this wouldn't necessarily translate into higher poll numbers for him here in the United States. There, are, there's a certain element, of course, of people in this country who aren't going to like the idea that uh, the Europeans embraced him so much. Uh, it's the it's the, the people who you know don't like the United Nations, uh, those kinds of things, and then people who may not vote for Barack Obama to begin with. But if you're on the borderline, if you will, uh, and you see him being embraced by European leaders and embracing European leaders, uh, then you might, uh, you know, it, it, it could work both ways, actually, for him. I, I, and, and, and the fact that it was very 
the grandiose. I just don't understand what goes on in the minds of some people. Really, political affiliation. Who looks at that goes? I just don't know. I don't. I don't like anybody who's liked by other people. I don't trust anybody that's liked by the rest of the world. There's got to be something wrong with him if other people like him. So, well, you're putting on an, an accent there, and I won't necessarily comment. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but sorry, go but ahead. There, are, there is a certain group, uh, there are going to be certain voters who will look at this and probably uh, frown upon it. Yes. That's for sure. Yes, yes, there will. Uh, I had some other question to, to, to ask you. Wait, hold on. Uh, wait. No. No, it's, no, I got nothing. Um, all right. Well, it's. I had a whole follow-up. It's just sort of frittered away into nothingness. All right. All right, my friend. Are you on tomorrow? I know Lisa is back tomorrow. All right. Well, uh, until uh, we speak again, my friend, enjoy the rest of your uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We will uh, we will talk to you in the near future, Bob. As always, a pleasure. Rick. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Bob. to him. Uh, I haven't seen this, but my uh, my brother who follows uh, politics uh, pretty closely, uh, not not the brother who believes that o Barack Obama is, in fact, a, who believes that anybody is the literal antichrist? I'm going to quit caring about it, Ken. I'm just going to say no, this. No, don't, because then you're, you're giving it more attention than it needs. But I mean, really, seriously. People are dumb. I don't know. They really, boy, people are just stupid. I mean, Lots that's of education and brains, you know, makes things a lot... It makes people able to solidify what their beliefs are so much easier because they don't really have the thinking power to think outside of it. I mean, it just yeah. So this so it so full. Let's see. And uh, I'm just going to make this observation. So uh, my not that anybody really cares about the inner workings of my family, but my older siblings have a different dad. My mom was married before. Uh, and so, which is not really that important to the conversation, except to say that my brother James and I uh, have a different dad than my older siblings. Um, so, but anyway, the 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 guy who raised my older siblings um, was by all. Let's just say this: by all account, an occasionally unpleasant person, and who's exceptionally he's exceptionally religious, and just like just the point of freakishness. And you would sort of think that. You would drift away from that, but apparently all of my older siblings, as they have grown older, have all just sort of fallen. Like it's like they had this moment where they were sort of intelligent, free-thinking like people, and then as they've gotten older, all of my older siblings have turned back in to just the religious freaks again. I just don't understand. Anyway, and so like, let me see now: one, two, three, four, five. So five members of my immediate family and all their childrens have moved to this tiny little compound in Texas uh, where they sit and literally just wait for Jesus to come back because they think it's around the corner. And they believe, and I am not making this up, as Dave Barry would say, they believe that Barack Obama is the literal, not like figuratively, oh, that guy's the Antichrist. They believe that he is the actual literal embodiment, the physical embodiment of the Antichrist, and that that's going to trigger... You know, rivers of blood or whatever. And so their whole thing now is to get my mom to move down there. Like, you ought to move down to this compound with us and wait for the rapture. Did I mention Eric lost a thumb? Uh, so I have cousins that live on a commune. Really? See? Yeah. Is it like a hippie commune? Mm, yeah, they blow, they blow glass and teach their own kids, and they kind of smell, but they're really they're they're nice. See, but as much as I make fun of hippies, I would so infinitely prefer that my family was like that. I would so, and my, I know it now just sounds like a big group therapy session, but goddamn. I don't mean to sound like I'm down on religion as a, I mean, it's not not for me, it's not my deal, whatever. That being said, I, I am not one of those guys that thinks that being religious automatically makes you 
dumb or a bad person or weird. When I know there's people who are like that, sort of like really strident atheists that if they find out you're religious, like immediately you're, you know, you're sort of persona non grata. I'm not that way. It's not my deal, but, you know, whatever. Uh, and so, you know, as, as that promo says that's running, it's like my experience doesn't have to be everybody's experience, so whatever. But it, but it's like I, I would just so... It, like my older sister or my sister especially was just so unbelievably one of the smartest people I have ever known in my life. Uh, a person who was really largely responsible for introducing me to, to books and to, to certain forms of art and to teaching me to have sort of critical thinking and to sort of not accept what authority figures said sort of unthinkingly. And and now she's just become like completely just closed-minded. And, and, and she's again, she's also on the Barack as the anti Antichrist bandwagon. It's just sad. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm just saying, it's just going back to my hometown, it's just like, it's just like being kicked in the mental uh, junk over and over again, just constantly. Well, you could have been, like my friend this morning, could have been worse, where he got hit by a car and then the car just drove off. See, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, where where, and when did that happen? Okay, so my friend Chris was on Hawthorne, uh, right in front of the bog around midnight on Friday, and he was crossing the street in some car, some big white car, they couldn't tell what it was, big white car came speeding down, crossed over that middle lane in Hawthorne, and like... Uh, kind of swerved toward, uh, what is that place, Chikaiva? Like the, the and so this place. is like at about 44th and Hawthorne? About 47th, 46th and 47th and right. Hawthorne. On Friday, flew across the lane, went into the wrong lane, hit my friend, um, my friend Chris, and totally he flew into the air. He hit their windshield. He landed on the curb. He's okay. He, he like twisted his foot. He has a sprained foot and stuff. But the big chunk of their car came off. He thinks he might have hit the windshield, and they just drove off. Uh, and there were witnesses, uh, and people were pounding on the car. They're like, get out of the car. But, you know, it's midnight on a Friday, and people, nobody, I don't think, was thinking straight. And the guy just drove off. Jesus. So they, he left a chunk of his car there, but nobody knows who it is. And all they, all that people know is that it's a big white car, but the guy just drove and off. And this is what time? Around midnight in front of the bog slash uh, Chicago. Saturday night? On Friday night. Friday night, so midnight. If anyone saw anything and you could let me know, that would be awesome. Or let the, you know, let the man know, maybe if you've got to be at a lead on that. Exactly. So that's a big white car. That's right, the man can. 46th and Hawthorne, uh, big white car, bike accident, The kind of might have sucked, but at least you didn't get no, that's true. No, it blown in the air. No, that, that is was, was there any, like, charm? to Kennewick at all? I mean... Look at how icky it is. Well, that's... Todd the Corpse actually just sent me an email uh, about that. He says, uh, because he has to go there occasionally, I forget exactly why, um, but Todd the Corpse goes... He just sent me an email, and he says about Kennewick, Rick, admit it, as much as you hate going back to Kennewick, you really like being there. You're like me in that way. I hate having to go back, but when I, get, when I do, I get to take notes about what a freak show it is, about rednecks headlocking a spastic ice-throwing guy and dragging him onto the dance floor. It is perversely enjoyable. You love having things to hate, and you know it. I will say this, that I, this is an awkward thing to say. I, I, I don't, one doesn't mean to sound morbid, but... You know, someday, many, 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 many years from now, I may no longer have, you know, family. I mean, I go there to see my mom. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, it's just, I'm not trying to be weird about it, but I mean, you know, someday, eventually, everybody passes away. And, you know, I will have no reason to go to Kennewick at some point in the future. And, it, you know, and I will never go there again. Like, once I don't have family. Look, I mean, if my mom was to move away, if she was to move to Portland, uh, I would never go to Kennewick again. I would have no reason to go there. So I go there now to see my family. So once... However it happens, once there is no reason to go to Kennewick, I will not be going to Kennewick. That being said, I do have to admit that a couple times uh, over the weekend, I did sort of make the observation to Alara. I said, 
I actually think I said at one point, I had to come here once a year just to refuel my hate. I mean, really, because you just sort of walk around and you... See, I I refuel my, like, love of trashiness in Bremerton. When I'm standing out on this back patio that's covered in dirt, broken lawn chairs, and piles of garbage. Yeah. like, beer signs stuck around. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I guess I sort of have a little bit of that. I mean, I, I guess I really do sort of... I do sort of horribly love it. Just so you know what it is. It, you know what? Going back to, and I'm not saying that Kennewick is the only town like this or Bremerton. Everybody has a town like this. Everybody comes from someplace, and the, the odds are you came from someplace that you didn't really care for. I mean, most people seem to be born into towns that they wish to leave. Um, but you know, even you know, you hear like uh, like us. Even he was born in you know New York, and he was just like f this place. I mean, he you know he doesn't like where he comes from. So. So there is something really, it's like wiggling a tooth. Do you know what I mean? Where it sort of hurts, but you can't, can't quit doing it, and it's sort of strangely enjoyable in a weird way. But, I mean, we would just sort of drive around, and you think to yourself, look, I'm not saying I'm the, I'm the sharpest knife in the drawer. It's not like I'm the smartest guy who's ever lived. It's not like, you know, it's not like I'm not like I'm Warren Buffett, not like I'm a billionaire or anything at this point. But, you know, I managed to put together some, some kind of a decent life and a kind of a cool gig and what, whatever for myself. But you sort of look around this place, and you just think, just like, look at these idiots. And you just you, you ask yourself, like, how is it that I was born here? And how is it that I managed to leave? Like, it almost sort of mystifies you and sort of makes you, at least for me, uh, when I go back to Kennewick, I sort of look around and I it, it, it sort of retrospectively terrifies me in that you sort of look around at this horrible place and these people who are just trapped there. Never going to get out. And they're just, you know, one generation after another, you know. It's, and, and Kennewick is another one of those places, probably like Bremerton, where you you see uh, parents with their kids and just these dirtbag parents. And you look at the kid and you can see the kid's future already. Like you can just see the whole life just laid out. And you sort of get retrospectively terrified because you sort of imagine how easy it would have been to F up your future and get stuck there forever. That's the thing where you look back and you realize how close you probably came on a couple of occasions oh, yeah. to making the mistake that was, you know, as Dave Marsh said, Dave Marsh had this great this great thing about looking back and realizing how you almost didn't get out of your hometown. And he says, um, and he says, you look back and you realize with retrospective terror um, that you were nearly incarcerated into 40 hours a week of someone else's nuts and bolts, the price you paid for effing up your future. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you... And I was this close to not going to college because I was so in love with my high school boyfriend. Yep. He said that he'd help... Uh, we'll be together. No, he's like, I'll buy you a car and, and I'll, I'll have... Oh, it was so gross. I oh, still, you're making me cringe even no, saying it. No, it was bad. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'll buy you a car and then I'll help you. I'll help support you so you can go to the community college here and we oh, can be God. together. Yeah, I oh. mean, you know, and again, I, I I hate that. I don't mean to sound like smug or like I'm smarter than no, everybody else. I know else. a lot of people it's, have successful careers who live in Bremerton. Yeah, it's just it, kind of what different paths you choose to go down. It, but it's just, you know, the, there is, I think, something to be said for, like, kind of breaking free of where you are. Even if you maybe eventually go back there for whatever reason, I think there's something to be said for, like, you've you got to get out of there and you got to see something else. You've got to see what else is out there. Or, or try to sort of reshape yourself in some different kind of fashion. Uh, I just, it, and towns, especially sort of bad, small, kind of backwater towns, they just seem to have this weird gravitational pull where if you do not do everything you can to get out of there, mm -hmm. they just, it's like a tractor beam, man. It's a, they're like tar pits. Uh, and they will just, you, you will just find yourself frozen there and then. You know, one year becomes five years, becomes 20 years, becomes the rest of your life, and you just never leave. So, 
Anyway, that being said, there is something horribly enjoyable about it. Like passing just endless rows of houses that are made out of concrete blocks, uh, sitting in these sort of big, it's like it's a house made out of concrete blocks. There is no yard. The yard is just sand and tumbleweeds. And then there is a car with no wheels up on, you know, like up on blocks in front of it. And then people live there. It's not like it's abandoned. You see the kid on the rusty Tetanus World swing set out back. And you just kind of go, Jesus, God. You see, it's like that's, that's how they're choosing to live. Yes. Right. That's, and, and you think to yourself, like, I lived here, too. Jesus. All right. All right. Let's take the, the therapy session is down. Yes, let's okay. take a break. We'll come back. I got some funny notes about other things, though. We'll get to this stuff. Uh, Tim Riley around the corner at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, let's see, what else? Later on, top five songs, a douchebag guy is always playing on the ballroom jukebox. Uh, we'll talk to Peter Carlin and more. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. And the baby. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, oh, I will say this, speaking of, um... Speaking of people we know or knew and making something of yourself or not, I, uh, I shouldn't even say this. Ah, uh, but you're say going it, to. Say it, say it, say it. We're here. So I got an e- I won't, just for the record, I will not say who this is on the air. I don't mean to be that guy. But someone you would all, but here's the thing. is It's, it's somebody, the, the audience would not know who this person is anyway. It is a, a behind-the-scenes person. Some of the audience wouldn't know. So it's not like you're not it's not like you're missing out on something by not hearing the name. But I will say um that someone we know, someone uh with whom uh we used to work in some sort of vague way, same building, let's that put it that way. Thousands of people, right? Well, that's why. Lots so, of short timers. So somebody with whom we used to work uh sent me an email this morning uh and it was that sort of like where you can tell it's just it's like they're asking for a job, but they sort of bury that three sentences in, all of like because catch up. Exactly. Are they still working at another place? Into, well, let me get to that. <laughs> let me get to that. Oh, has there been a cleansing? <laughs> well, I'm not going to. No, I, it just says, um, the, the email basically just says, hey, been too long. Thought, you know, hope everything's well. We really need to catch up sometime. Uh, you know, hope everything is good with you guys. I'm looking for a job, dot, 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 still unemployed. And then they note that they catch are. Catch up means I haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> They're looking for a job, still unemployed, and then they follow it up with, I'm sending this to you from Las Vegas, where I'm currently playing in the World Series of Poker. So, I mean, so, busy, busy, sort of, and not even, like, in the World Series of Poker, but they're gambling, attempting to get into the World Series of Poker. So, here's the thing. If you're going to email and sort of do this thinly veiled request for a job, maybe don't do it from a place where you're busy gambling your money. That might be... Uh, that yeah. might be job one when sending that email. <laughs> so, uh, who wants to know who it is? I do. Oh, I do. All right, let's turn off the mics. <gasps> oh! Yeah. Okay, that took me a second. There you go. So. <laughs> Wait. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, that, oh, that guy. You. The guy who would always, is this pizza community property? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's you know what, what he's best known about. for, it. Yeah. No, and, and always oh, asking and if. smelling and, and like stealing everyone's food. And asking, here's the thing about this guy. It, it was gross. He, any food that was anywhere near the is studio. Is this community pizza? Like, that was his one line. Are he these community no potato no, chips? He has no knowledge of, like, a personal space. like Or um, hygiene. Or hygiene. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, that could be several thousand people. So. <laughs> and it is several thousand people. Yeah, we know. Ah, okay. Here's 
Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Who emails from a card table to ask for a job? Hey, I'm busy setting fire to some $20 bills. You should hire me. Here's Tim Riley. The car is probably all sticking together with jelly or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's something from uh, your part of Washington State. Uh Fire officials in Spokane and Kootenanny counties have issued burn bans for residents. Kootenanny counties? That's what it sounds like. Uh, Residents have, uh, if you have open recreational fires, you can't have backyard barbecues. Chimneys. You can't have a chimney, it says here. And a patio warmer. Now, who's cooking over uh, having a barbecue over a patio warmer? I have no idea. So the Spokane ban goes into effect for 90 days, and the Kootenanny ban goes into effect till next fall. Is a Kootenanny like when he, is, is that like a Hootenanny for insects or something? So that's the name of the county, apparently. Um, so wait, so you you can't cook over what? You can't cook over backyard barbecues, chimneys, or patio warmers. What do you, why can't you cook? But do they give a reason? I mean, I understand why you can't cook over a chimney. Who cooks There's over a, a chimney? Or, or a patio warmer. <laughs> Isn't a patio warmer one of those, like, things that hangs up at the top? Yeah. It's just like heat. It's like a big bug zapper, but it's the heat. do it. But you can't cook over a backyard barbecue? That's correct, yes. Do they specify why exactly? But it, it, there's a, a fire danger. Fire? Fire danger. Fire danger. All right. And this is in Spokane? Spokane and uh, Kootenai County. Yeah, you don't want to burn down Spokane. That's an irreplaceable. It's an irreplaceable community. So I thought you'd enjoy that. You know what Spokane is? Um, Kennewick. Spokane is like Kennewick if it was like, if Kennewick was one of those little, like, sponge capsule animals that you drop in the sink and then, like, a Tyrannosaurus comes out. Like, if you were to sort of take Kennewick and if you were to sort of inflate it uh, and just expand it in size with some, like, super, like, a, like, a, like some sort of mad scientist device where you could aim a, a ray gun at it and blow it up bigger, Spokane is just sort of an expanded version of Kennewick. So, whatever you do, don't burn Spokane down. Be extra careful. Yeah. Meanwhile, police have surrounded a house near Beaverton High School in an attempt to capture a man who led officers on a wild chase. It was wanted for a traffic law violation around 8.15 this morning. It triggered a short police chase. Later, the man ran for the vehicle, but police were able to question his female passenger. A short time after that, uh, the man ran for the vehicle near Round Table Pizza at Southwest Allen and Southwest Murray. And uh, apparently was robbed by a man. Oh, somebody was was leaving the beer and was robbed by a man of a similar description in front of Round Table Pizza of all places. The uh, chase suspect's passenger told police where to find the man, and they surrounded a Beaverton house at 13325 2nd Street, where he is illegally hiding. And he's still in there. So come out. Oh, wait, he's still in there now? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. So this means that is he alone, do you think? Well, he had his lady friend... Uh, but uh, she got away and reported him to police. Oh, really? Okay, so she's not an accomplice. She was uh, she was turning him in. Yep, she made bad choices. All right. <laughs> well, but she made bad There's choices. someone for everyone. And... <laughs> and Tommy's love was Becky. Uh, all right, fantastic. Oh, by the way, uh, this news is brought to you by Leif's Auto Collision Centers. Find an instant collision repair. Go to Leif's.com and find out what Leif's can do for you. Did you take some of that Claritin? I did. All right, let's hope that it kicks in. All right. I mean, you sound fine. I'm just saying I, I don't want you to be I don't want you to be uh, uncomfortable. I'm not uncomfortable. Okay. Well, kind of. I am. Well, I know what it's like when you're trying to you're trying to speak through like you know you got a bad nose thing going on or your throat's all hanky or something. Yes. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, Hooters in Beaverton closed down. Yes, a former employee in Beaverton says she was surprised to learn yesterday that the restaurant closed down and she was out of a job. The closure marks the second time a Hooters has closed in the metro area, leaving the only one left at Jansen Beach, where the big clock is. That one. 
The Beaverton location shut down Saturday night uh, following irregular business hours. On Sunday, large tarps covered the Hooters signs on the building. The establishment opened in 2004 with lots of fanfare. The restaurants cater to a male clientele and feature... Who doesn't know what Hooters is? <laughs> Somebody wrote two paragraphs about what Hooters is. Really? What is the description? Wait, hold on. Let's let's guess here. Does it contain scantily clad? It caters to a predominantly male clientele and feature a female white uh, white strat staff dressed in trademark orange shorts and white tank tops with an owl logo. Is that what they say? They really don't say. Like it's, it's people come here to see the boobs. Yeah, <laughs> come for the boobs, stay for the chili. Really good chicken wings. Come for the breast, stay for the wings or whatever or whatever that would be. Some sort of a chicken pun there. So, all right. Well, Hooters. Would you agree that Hooters is sort of a um, Hooters is sort of the uh, the hick version of Starbucks? You know what I mean? Like the whole thing is just that they're sort of omnipresent and they, they you know, they're sort of a mass marketed version. Of a thing you could probably get in a lot of places, but they got the gimmick. And the, the, the gimmick at Starbucks is that it's sort of like ready-made culture while you wait. Uh, earth tones and green things. Uh, and where and Hooters, it's just boobs. Uh, but it's also that the appeal of of those places is also that it's the same no matter where you go. No matter you walk into a Hooters or a Starbucks, you always know what you're going to get. It's a pretty little thing. Exactly. I remember from my Starbucks classes, consistency is what they want above all Can, the consumer to... Uh, associate with Starbucks. Well, you know that the thing is, you know at Starbucks, the thing is not that they, you don't even make the drinks yourself. It's like you press a button, <laughs> comes out of the machine. Oh, well, see, when I worked there, we still had to make them. Yeah, see, not anymore. That's Many people are speculating that might be part of the downfall of Starbucks is that the, the drinks are now, almost all of them are made by machine now because they got that whole thing about the machine, Rick Emerson. From, uh, from order to in hand, no more than 180 seconds. And they were just like, people can't get the job done. Streamline it. And so machines, bam, closing plummeting sales, etc. Here's Tim Riley. So there's another dead body on Mount Hood. Uh, they're trying to retrieve the body after a climber died on the Cooper Spur route after he was hit by a falling rock. Oh. So that's bad. But not unexpected. Now let's see what else do we have here. Oh, two men survived a car plunge into the Columbia River. They escaped after their car plunged in there uh, yesterday morning. The two men were on their way home after a long shift at work. Well, the driver fell asleep and the other car pulled. guy said, uh, wake up, wake up, wake up. Didn't happen. He uh, drove down the hill into the river at 158th and Marine Drive shortly after 2 a.m. The uh, two were able to escape. And witnesses uh, saw two soaked men walking onto the river and calling police. Won't you excuse me for just a moment? Yes. Wait, hold on. Let me just, uh, with the whole... Uh... Okay, I'm ready to continue. All right. Lane County Health Authorities are looking into two cases of bacterial illness. It's called Shigella. I think it... Okay, never mind. Go ahead. It is reported from the annual Oregon County Fair near, near Benita, which is west of Eugene. The victims are recovering, uh, but they say it has an incubation period. It is unlikely that other fairgoers will come down with the illness, but it can be transmitted to others. Incubation period is a freaky phrase because that makes it... You make, you, like you feel like an like you're... Uh, what's it? John Hurt in Alien where the thing is just growing inside you and then it's going to come out while you're trying to eat cornbread. So here comes the bad news about this. The bad news. And, and so we, we all, haven't we had... All, <laughs> no, we all know people can spread this to us. Yes. We may have just talked about some moments ago. Uh, Shingella typically is spread when people don't wash their hands after using the bathroom and then uh, prepare, serve, or eat food. Uh, it's characterized by acute diarrhea, very acute diarrhea, abdominal cramps, and fever sometimes accompanied by nausea and vomiting. Uh, fair, fair managers uh, do more than the law requires to ensure your food safety, I'm sure about that. 
So these uh, illnesses are the first in the county this year, but it pops up almost every year. So this is so the, the so it's uh, wait so it's just like a it's a parasite or something. Yeah. And you get it at the fair. I mean, theoretically speaking, you could. Yes. All right. By people who don't wash their hands after they use the restroom. Uh, see, I'm uh, sure that's very rare, though. I mean, with the, the, here's the thing. Let me ask you this. I don't mean to be gross, but about people who don't wash their hands after using the bathroom, an area man, by which I mean me, wants to know what is up with that. I mean, what is, and I'm not just asking sort of in, in the abstract. I mean, really, honestly, people need to be watched. <laughs> watch your watch. Well, especially with men. I'm sorry. It's different. Is it different for a girl? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you guys have contact, whereas we do not. You know what I'm saying? Now, there's no contact that happens no, maybe no. inadvertently? No. All right. Okay. Well, that's... So, see, that's what I can see the difference between men and women because... You, you always wash your hands, though. Yeah. No, I always wash my hands, but, I mean, I think it's disgusting, like, when men don't wash their hands because they're, like, down there... Because there's the business. There's the yeah, uh, tackle out. I mean, I can see, like, if a woman doesn't wash her hands, then I, like, I see that she doesn't, but it's just like... Eh, but, I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you? Like, what... I don't... Uh, really, I don't unless you have to go rescue a baby from a burning building, I don't... It, and see, and now this whole conversation... I wash my hands, so I don't know like how I should answer. I wash my hands compulsively. Uh, I, I wash my hands like ten, fifteen thousand times a day. Uh -huh. uh, but of course, because it's because it's Monday, every every conversation we have like this uh, is making me think of Kennewick residents. Well, that's um, every time I get off public transportation, which oh. is twice a day. First thing I do. I mean, and you sort of think to yourself, at some point in your head, the switch was flipped, right? Like you made the decision. I don't need to wash my hands after I've been using the toilet. And I don't understand if there's some sort of thought that goes into it, if there's like a cost-benefit thing where they figure the amount of time they're investing into washing the hands isn't really paying off, you know, when stacked against the likelihood of getting, you know, like whatever this quinella or whatever this disease is. I just, it's one of those things where you honestly want to sit them down in a room and get, say like, you know, like, hey, what is your deal? Like, I just saw you coming out of the bathroom stall. Why did you not wash your hands? Only because you want to see what their answer would be. You know what I mean? I want to know what is the logic, what is the mental flow chart that's happening that leads them to, like, pee and then not wash themselves. Anyway, whatever. All right, it's Tim Riley. I know how you feel. And it's always... Never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. No, I do. No, yeah. No, I do. All right. Uh, a suspect was uh, stabbed at, at a back station over the weekend. And let's see, the victim is 25-year-old Jason Greenlee. Police say two men got into a fight overnight at the station at Northeast 82nd near Halsey. Now, if, if you're at Northeast 82nd in the middle of the night, <laughs> chances are very slim that you'll leave there alive. So this man is very, very lucky. Why on earth, of all the locations to be at, would you be at... 82nd. I, I in have... the middle of the night. I not expect to be stabbed or shot or both. <laughs> It's like approaching I Mount like to Doom. I feel bad for the guy, but seriously. <laughs> I, of all the choices you could possibly make of places to be in the middle of the night, you chose to be at the Max station at Northeast 82nd near Halsey. Uh, I mean, it seems like you're already you're already in that part of town. You could just steal a car. I mean, really. Add a few more multiple choices to your decision before going to Northeast 82nd Max Stop in the middle of the night. Uh, Would you expect to encounter the Fuller Brush Man? It's the Fuller Knife Man. Yes. Uh, that's great. Uh, I, I'm the Fuller Rape Man. Uh, I'm here to see you. All right. There you go. Excellent. So you have nobody to blame but yourself. <laughs> Abandon all hope, ye who enter there. Oh, hey. That's great. All right. 
Let's do uh, this religious nutcase. Here's your religious nutcase watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. We have something you tend to see. So uh, basically all, the, all this crazy stuff pretty much spans the country. Anyway, police are revealing details behind yesterday's deadly church shooting in Knoxville, Tennessee. Police Chief Sterling Owen says 58-year-old Jim Atkinson is being held on a million dollars bond for allegedly killing two people and wounding several more after opening fire at the Tennessee Valley Unitarian Church. This happened yesterday. It appears that what brought him to this uh, horrible event was his lack of being able to obtain a job, his frustration over that, and his stated hatred for the liberal movement. Uh, the police chief said they were covering a four-page letter that explained his actions. He describes his feelings and the reason that he claims that he committed these offenses. He indicated also in that letter that he expected to be in there shooting people until the police arrived, and he fully expected to be killed by the responding police. But he wasn't killed, and they took him in. Uh, Owen says a letter from the government may have been an additional catalyst in the shooting spree. We recovered a letter from the state indicating he was either having his food stamps reduced or eliminated. And I believe that that gave him even greater concern. He thought he was being discriminated against. He did express the, that frustration that the liberal movement was getting more jobs. And, and he felt like he was being kept out of the loop because of his age. He uh, targeted the church because of its liberal stances and acceptance of homosexuality. More than a dozen former worshipers were in court to hear the former pastor admit he stole $132,000 from the First Christian Church of downtown Portland. It was earmarked to buy food for the poor and help pay for rent and medical bills. The congregation heard the judge, uh, Baldwin, sentenced 58-year-old Rex K. Loy to six months in jail and ordered him to pay back the money. Lloyd sat silently as the judge told him he used church funds to pay for strippers, crack cocaine, and video poker. Wow. I know. Why did I not hear about the story until I didn't earlier? See that coming. I figured it was just coming on Friday. That's why. I figured it was just going to be like he just uh, he just took it and like uh, I don't know blew it on buying indoor tile for his no, house or it's something. A, it's like a Fritchie was in charge of our church. <laughs> Uh, a, a member told how Loy had devastated the 129-year-old uh, church in southwest Columbia and Park Avenue. He's required to continue counseling and get drug and alcohol treatment as needed. He'll also get five years probation. Oh, he was already doing five years probation in Missouri before he moved here. <laughs> what, was he on, what was he on probation for? It doesn't say here. Probably the same thing. Uh, Lloyd has <laughs> applied to a pastor at other churches, and he's con uh, concerned that he's not being honest about what happened in Portland. <laughs> uh, so he must... Uh, yeah, he's in a lot of trouble. Wow, that's a lot of money to spend. Really? I mean, on what? On hookers, crack cocaine? Well, the crack, that's where your money goes right there is to the crack cocaine. And video poker. And, and video poker. Well, it's good to know he's at least supporting schools. Yes. All right, fantastic. fantastic. There you go. Your religious nutcase. There's your religious nutcase watch. We're getting emails like this one. Rick, 
This is the great, this is the best way to start an email. Rick, not to defend people who don't wash their hands, but... <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He said... It's someone else's fault. <laughs> I would guess that your hands are dirtier than your business. If you think about it, your business is fa fairly protected from germs inside your clothing, unless you're just dragging it along, it along random surfaces or lying naked on the floor before you use the bathroom. He says... And it's not so hard to not, you know, all over yourself or touch the toilet. It would almost make more sense to wash your business after using the facility since your hands have touched more things than your business. Just a thought. And then he signs That's it. a very misguided thought. He signs it genitals. It's a disgusting word. Um, I hate the word genitals. Genitals is a really unpleasant word. That's coming up in our penis watch, by the way, that word. Uh, no, it's an, un it's an unpleasant word. I don't know why it is. I think just linguistically there's something about it that's sort of the icky sounding. But it's supposed to make you not touch them. But I, <laughs> we're going to give it as give it as unattractive a name as possible, so you'll never be interested in touching them. <laughs> um, so I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, except that he's but he's really hit on it, which is your bathroom, and really to be fair, your kitchen, your whatever is just so full of germs everywhere, right? Like the door handle and the bathroom. I mean, we've talked about this before. Every single thing you touch in the bathroom is covered in germs, mm -hmm. uh, up to and including uh, the, the area around the sink. So and they say that's the dirtiest area in the in your bathroom because if you flush the toilet, without, everything just goes into the air it like a fountain. All floats there and coats your entire like bathroom. Like your toothbrush, for example. I always put the seat down. Make sure that doesn't. Yeah, happen. I do. Yeah, too. you got to put the seat down and really, if possible, cover your toothbrush uh, because you flush the toilet, it all just goes into the air. And then floats down like so much germ-filled acid rain eh, all over your dental equipment. And then you're just, yes, let's say it, brushing your mouth with toilet germs. All right. Uh, they're like those scrubbing bubbles, but they're brown. Here's Tim Riley. That is a terrible thought. <laughs> I'm glad I got help. I, that was a little bit, that was like a depth charge there. A little bit of a delayed reaction. Mm -hmm. All right. Well... As you heard, Northwest Natural Gas wants to give itself a big raise, and they have in your last bill. 35%? I don't know what the last one was. Man, it really went up. And I don't even use gas in the summer. Anyway, uh, even though year-to-date earnings are lower due to high gas price in 2008, Northwest Natural has managed to post a 27% increase in its net income for the quarter that ended June 30th. Uh, earnings were uh, diluted by 10 to 12 cents. I like the way they put the spin on it, so you really don't understand what's going on. No. The company credited the earnings to the sale of a Boeing 737, which, which makes us even more complicated. What does this have to do with The story has too many moving parts. Huh? And strong results from utility and gas storage operations. Earlier this month, Northwest uh, Natural announced it would seek a rate increase for customers up to 40% to take effect November 1st. Of course, they're going to get it. So, uh, the public be damned, I suppose. Uh, Portland is the third highest percentage... Uh, of adults volunteering in the United States. That doesn't surprise me at all. That's a jump of three spots last year. Other volunteers? Minneapolis, St. Paul, tops the list, followed by Salt Lake City. Seattle came in right after Portland fourth. Austin, Texas, rounds out the top five. Overall, Oregonians rank 16th in number of citizens, 16 and older, who perform volunteer service. Utah is ranked number one. Washington came in at number three. Because we're part of the liberal movement, Tim. That's where that comes from. That is. Uh, so let's uh, talk about Hillary Clinton. She's been out of the limelight for quite some time, hasn't she? She maintains her position that she's not pushing to be Barack Obama's vice presidential choice. Speaking to reporters in New York, she said her position remains the same as it always has been throughout the campaign. That is Senator Obama's decision. I'm not seeking it. I'm not advocating for it. Um, I'm going to give uh, him the respect he deserves to make the decision he believes is best. Well, that was short. 
Uh, so Barack Obama is hinting that Hillary could be in the running for the vice president. He tells Meet the Press he believes Clinton would be on anybody's short list of a vice presidential candidate. She is one of the most effective, intelligent, uh, courageous leaders that we have in the Democratic Party. Just one of them. Obama's asked if uh, Bill Clinton will take part in his campaign. I, mean, I want Bill Clinton, uh, one of the smartest men in the history of politics, uh, involved uh, in our campaign. Obama says after all the debates during the primary season, they have lost their effectiveness, so don't bug them to debate anymore. They become, I think, less of a serious exchange of ideas, and ra rather they, have com uh, they become competing talking points or, or press releases. Wait a minute. All he has to do is drag his feet for a few more months. It's going to be over. Run out the clock. He's, no, he's, he's, now, is that his sort of way of softening up at the, at the ground, as they say, for the revelation that he's just not going to debate? Yeah, why should he show up? That's right? kind of He really ought to just not show up. He ought to just be out there. Say he's going to be there and then call it the last minute. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm stuck on I'm stuck on the 405. I, uh, yeah, maybe I'm not going to make it. I, uh, okay, bye. <laughs> it's like, a, and then he just, it's like, uh, he ought to just do that thing like they do in high school where they uh, they uh, they tell you that there's going to be a party and then you're the only one that shows up. And meanwhile, they're off at a better party laughing at you. And you just sort of see John McCain sitting there with a sad little conical party hat on his head. Just sort of sitting oh, I'm sad. So, you look over at the podium where Barack Obama's supposed to be and you see a sock puppet. <laughs> sock puppets are hilarious. They are. There's something uniquely funny about the sock puppet. They're hilarious. You know what I mean? Not not just puppets in general, but an actual full-on literal so with button eyes. All right, that's great. As it should be. One of these days, I'm going to do something. We'll have a sock puppet on this program. You mark my words. Here's Tim Riley. Hey, kids, uh, you know who, who uh, Sheila LaBeouf is? Well, he was arrested on suspicion of drunk driving yesterday after an early morning wreck in which the Indiana Jones star injured his hand and knee. He was trying to make a left turn at a West Hollywood intersection around 3 a.m. when the pickup collided with another vehicle, rolling the trek over once. It was immediately apparent to officers responding to the case that he was intoxicated and was placed under arrest. Did he injure that part of his body that causes him to sputter and stammer a lot and blink his eyes instead of actually acting? I don't know. Okay. A 22-year-old actor was taken to Cedar Sinai and was treated for injuries to his left hand and knee, as well as a minor head wound or injury. A uh, lady was his uh, passenger, and the driver of the other vehicle weren't seriously injured. Uh, they don't know the identities of the lady or the other driver. Hire a driver. That's the, the, just, that ought to be the first thing you're... Because they all have handlers, right? That's the thing. You, so. you become a certain... I mean, he was in Transformers. He was he's going to make Transformers 2. He was in he was Indiana a, he's Jones. He was a Disney child, too. He's been, he was on Even Stevens for years. They they made multiple movies out of yeah. it. I mean, he, so he has people. He has uh, tons of people. You think that, that, that at some point, uh, your PR, handler, whoever it is, like they just tell you. Like, if I, here's the thing, if I was running a studio, and I'm not, but if I was running a studio, I, that would be the thing in any and all uh, talent contracts. It would just say, like, look, you're going to have a driver. Uh, and it'll be like, and it'll be like the Secret Service. Uh, no matter what they see, no matter what they witness, it's, they don't say anything, they don't reveal anything. If you want to, like, go inject yourself full of drugs or pick up whores, doesn't matter, whatever. The driver's not going to reveal anything, but you will have a driver who takes you everywhere you go. Uh, because you know, probably 70% of the stories we've had about celebrities doing something that gets them into trouble has to be because the celebrity decides to drive themselves, and then they're like George Michael. They uh, pass out somewhere with their penis out, you know? So, Well, it happens. I mean, theoretically. <laughs> so apparently somebody dressed up as a joker and tried to sell some posters, and they were caught. This happened in Michigan shortly after midnight. Three Rivers police were called to a disturbance at a movie theater. When officers arrived, they observed theater staff restraining a subject. The subject was dressed in full costume resembling the Joker from the Batman movie. 
He was caught by the theater staff trying to steal movie memorabilia and posters relating to the movie The Dark Knight. The weird thing is that his mugshot has him in the Joker makeup, which is sort of weird. I wouldn't think they would let you do that. He kind of looks Timmy Ryan-ish without it, doesn't <laughs> oh, he? Oh, they've taken it off, too. Yeah. All right. He kind of he does look a little bit like Timmy Ryan. Uh -huh. All right. Uh, this fellow is uh, 20 years old. His name is Spencer Taylor of Three Rivers. He was booked on felony larceny and malicious uh, destruction of property. So he he almost got the makeup perfect though. No, it's well, spent some time doing. Oh, can I see the picture? Something we're doing is worth doing right. <laughs> he does look like Timmy Ryan. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, speaking of your face, so I hate to do this, but have you seen this this thing from the Daily Mail about Madonna? Which one? That you were part of the book? It's the best headline. This, As we've said many times, the reason I love the British press is because they just don't care. They can just be bastards about it. So, And they have the best slugs there. You know, the slug is the sort of headline of the little poll quote or whatever. Have age and stress launched a shocking attack on Madonna's face? <laughs> Imagine if somebody said that about one of us. Once launched this attack on Sarah Dillon's face. On uh, her face? Have age and stress launched a shocking attack on Madonna's face? Well, she was looking pretty well put together a couple weeks ago. Really? Look at this photo right here and then okay. ask yourself if she looks pretty pretty well put together there. That's a bad look. You don't want to be... I mean, maybe that's just one frame out of oh, whatever. Oh, that looks like she's like sucking in her cheeks or something. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be photographed looking like that. That's a bad look for her. Uh, it says... Um, dressed to the nines and wearing plenty of, plenty of makeup, Madonna still manages to look pretty sensational, but... So they say. So they acknowledge that in makeup she looks good, but bare-faced and in short sleeves, she reveals the grueling health and beauty regime, uh, and I think they mean regimen, behind the glamour. Anyway, so then there's a whole lot talking about her patchy skin and her endless veins. So that's, you know what they're written about you. Let's do one more and then we'll take a break. Here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, rumors implying that Madonna may be responsible for parts of the revealing book about her family life, written by her brother Christopher Ciccone. The New York Post reports, a source is saying the pop icon's ghost wrote certain pages of my life with my sister Madonna. The source said, quote, that's why there's nothing too devastating in Chris's book. He's mean to others, but not so much to his sister. Madonna is reportedly suffering from health problems amid rumors that she's having an affair with Yankee Alex A. Rod Rodriguez. Oh, by the way, I did. So I did see, I think it was the Inquirer this week. Uh, I did finally see, I saw another picture of Barry Manilow, who does not look good. Mm. That's a... Uh, like, he's all made out of uh, pipe cleaners and death. He's thin so. and likes it that way. <laughs> Sometimes he's he's just so busy, he doesn't have time to eat. That's what the mm -hmm. flax said. Mm -hmm. Now he's busy working on... So you know how it is. You miss lunch every now and again. So, all right. Uh, well, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. More from Tim Riley. Uh, later on, we'll do the top five. Top five songs a douchebag guy is guaranteed to play in the barroom jukebox where you are. Uh, let's see. What else? Peter Carla will join us. I got uh, some other notes to get to. One random caller today wins a copy of The Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, on DVD. And more from Tim Riley when we return. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, coming up later on, we'll talk to Timmy Ryan. Uh, we'll also do a... I should mention that he created this top five, by the way. Top five songs a douchebag guy is guaranteed to play on the jukebox at the bar where you are. Uh, so he'll be in for that. My mic processing is exemplary today. It is. How about yours, Sarah? How do you feel about your mic processing? Not too stoked on it, actually. It's, it's getting better, but it, I hate it when, like, the first thing I say it sounds really muffled. Yeah, it you, sounded you, a little off. It first. doesn't sound very bright. Uh, do this. Uh, do you have this switch on your microphone? Flip that to the angle, not to the straight line. 
that little switch. Should maybe it's on the bottom or something. It should be in the back, right there. shouldn't it? No, 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 it's on the side. Flip it to the angled setting, not the not the straight line setting. Ah, well, then I cannot help you. <laughs> then you are then you are effed. All right, I flipped it back and forth. No, no you don't. No, see the 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 straight line setting. I don't. Fascinated by this. Uh, on the microphone, Sarah and I have the same microphone, which is the Electro Voice RE20, the finest uh, broadcasting what transducer known to man. The straight line gives you it, basically what it is. There's, there's two settings. This is the straight there's line. There's a straight line and there's the angled line. The angled line gives you a little bit more brightness. Uh, so if if you think it's muffled and it's on the angled line, you, you, there's really nowhere you can go so there. That's like if you if you're finding it a little bit muffled and it's on that straight line, you can switch it to the angled line setting and it makes the microphone sound a little bit brighter. Okay. Uh, but beyond that, you're gonna have to have the processing looked at. So I should say though that Tim sounds exceptional. I sound fantastic. You always want to be bright, but never trite. That's what. It, and out of sight. All right. Here's That's Tim Riley. Certain people used to tell Did me. Did you have a consultant tell you that? Yes. Right, but never try it? What does that even mean? I don't know. It's one of those things that some consultants say. They were paid to come up with that slogan? Mm-hmm. Is that Was it on a PowerPoint presentation where they're going, uh, the important thing to remember, uh, whether you are the newsman, the sidekick, uh, the host, uh, weekenders, this goes for you, too. I mean, really, these all of these lessons here, these can all apply to you. And uh, bright, but never try it. That our uh, research has shown time and again uh, people like brightness. Uh, they don't like triteness. So always ask yourself, am I being bright? Am I being trite? Oh, incidentally, speaking of consultants, because we love them, I have, let's see, here's, there's not as many this time, but I have this latest, uh, this, this latest pile of wonderful suggestions from a consultant who is sending you, or uh, sending us, rather, the, um, sending us just a list of <laughs> Tim has just told me it's the same person. Tim has written down, it's the same person. Um, I'm sorry, maybe I wasn't supposed to say it on the air. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't help the program along. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. Um, I can delete it, I suppose. Too late. <laughs> well, we haven't named the person. We haven't used the no, name. No, we haven't. And it could be any number of consultants, <laughs> not necessarily that one. Uh, but this is a list of, of, we know of it's not true. wacky uh, wacky radio promotions. Uh, that we're supposed to do. And it, again, I won't use the person's name, but the person is sending CBS Radio a list of suggested promotions. And these are all free. These are free suggestions because the deal is we're supposed to be so impressed by these that we'll go, by God, that's great. I'm going to keep these suggestions coming. How much should we? Thousands of dollars a month. Why, it's a bargain. How can I? I can't afford not to do it. So here are some of the suggestions. Um, it, it, these aren't that interesting, but I'll, I'll go through a couple of them here. Um... <laughs> Of course, blah, 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 gas cards, blah, 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 blah. You know, can I just tell you this? I, because I felt like this, like we were doing something wrong here at this station, which is almost certainly true in any event, um, but I felt like we were doing something wrong because we're not doing a gas promotion. And so I actually sat the other day in our promo meeting for like 25 minutes trying to brainstorm with people like, what? Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we ought to be doing a gas promotion. And I was trying to well, think. Well, we had something to do with it. We talked about my hospital procedure. That's I... as close as we got. <laughs> flatus. A flatus promotion. I was trying to think of some wacky, like, promotion that has to do with the rising cost of gas. Like, that isn't stupid. And I just couldn't come up with anything. Uh, I, I could come up with absolutely nothing. I desperately tried to think of a way to do some sort of promotion, because we're not opposed to that, again, you know, sort of raising the, the profile of the station, getting some attention, that tied into gas prices, but that, but that I wouldn't be embarrassed to be part of, you know? Uh, like one of those, like, our boss has gas promotions, or whatever the last one we read was. And I couldn't think of a single thing. 
So you know what? Anybody out there, y'all can come up with a gas promotion. You let me know. But I, I got nothing. Uh, here's something we're not going to do. Let's see. Um, uh, let, God, this is this is the worst. I'm going to lead with the worst one. This is the worst promotion idea that we've been given so far. The name of this promotion is The Cups Runneth Over. Here's the description for this no, promotion. No, 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 no. Here's the description. A station to remain nameless has passes to a hockey tournament. Playing off my, uh, let's see, playing off of Stanley Cup, which is the name of the prize. My suggestion, so keep in mind, this is something the, the, the consultant suggested, and then the consultant says, gosh darn it, they're going to do this idea. So the consultant says, my suggestion, and gosh darn it, if they're not going to do it, is to have... If you ever wonder why we are sometimes embarrassed to be, to be working in radio, here it is. Playing off of the Stanley Cup name, my suggestion, and gosh darn it, if they're not going to do it, is to have four or five interns in their bras. Take photos of these interns in their bras and post them on the station website. They have to be female, of course. ID the cup sizes and win tickets. That sounds like something out of the 70s. Are you kidding me? Here's, I blanked out the name of the consultant. Here is the email header. There's the promotion right there. <laughs> cups runneth over. ID the cup sizes and win tickets. There you go. And gosh darn if they're not going to do it. Exactly. And you know what this is? This is an excuse for some skis-ass radio guy to put interns in bras and photograph them and put them up on the website. That's totally what that yeah, is. If, if, Don't get me wrong. Rick Emerson loves boobs. I'm second. We love I would boobs. not have a career in radio if this is the kind Can of... Can you imagine it when you'd come you know, to work for us? Intern, hey, like... Sarah, take off your top. <laughs> Welcome to radio. Take your shirt off. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I, I, I don't even know that... The, I can't even imagine that's legal. I hate to it say this. It can't be legal. It can't be. I mean, I guess it's. I guess maybe it's legal. Really because... Want a job in radio? Let me see your knockers. See, that's ex but that's what it is, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't mean to be Johnny Buzzkill no, about it, but I can't even imagine you could do okay, that. Okay, now please do tell me this. Is this a man or a woman who's? Uh, no, I, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I. I if it's a woman, no, you know, shame is, on her. No, no, no. I. I. Part of the deal was Susan will pass these to me when they come in, but I can't reveal anything about, anything who, about them who the right. consultant is. It is a consultant. That's all I'm going to say. Promotional ideas being sent to it, and the guy said there's a station doing it. But but can you imagine, like, oh, I'm out of college, but I'm, but I'm, so, I'm going to get into the ground floor of radio. It's my dream job. It's my whatever. Okay, uh, all right, intern, up against the wall. Take off your shirt. Did you read the one below <laughs> it? photograph you. And then people are going to guess how big your breasts are. <laughs> Welcome to radio. And you're totally right, Tim, when you say that it's like something from the 70s. I mean, it just swing town for, totally. for interns. I mean, it just, it, you know, and then come up to my office for a little R&R &R later. Let's see. What else here? Um, the next one is, uh, here's another hockey idea. Take a roll of hockey tape and tape an intern to a light pole. <laughs> listeners, then, traffic. listeners have to guess how long it will take for him or her to struggle out of their bonds to win. Make sure they're at least 500 <laughs> feet up. Make sure they're on a high, a the high crime the interstate bridge. <laughs> exactly. Make sure they're in a high crime area of town, and make sure they're upside down. <sighs> Jesus. All right. Anyway, uh, I don't think I have the other one here. I see no reason not to hire this consultant. Uh, they're brainstorming. I have, I have one. God, I can't find the other one. I have one more, and I. Oh, here we go. I think this is it. This is the other one. Cops runneth over. 
Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see. Wait, wait, wait. Oh no, no, this is this is not the college one. There's there's a back to school one, and I don't I don't have it unfortunately. Uh, and I think I want to wait and until I've got the copy to read it because it's like the way that it's written is really what sells it. All right. So anyway, there you go. So those are some promotions that we that we won't be doing uh, here at the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Consultant would be disappointed, I'm sure. Here's Tim Riley. Take off your shirt. I mean, guess they're cup size. Seriously, I, I cannot even. And again, uh, Rick Emerson is not a prude, but I mean, in 2008, can you imagine a radio company telling their interns to take off their shirts, get into a bra? And we're going to photograph your breasts, and the listeners are going to guess what cup size you put are. Put on something pretty. I yeah. All right. Put on something. Put on something that's saddening. Put on something that accompanies your tears as you wonder exactly how your life has led you to this place. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. A new sunbather was arrested over the weekend for attacking a dog owner with a baton on a local beach. Apparently, the 45-year-old raptor pulled ashore at Sand Island near Rooster Rock, which is uh, usually uh, attended by people who like to show it all off for free. Well, anyway, the uh, the person probably didn't know that he was landing on these nude beaches with his four children and two chihuahuas. The chihuahuas ran toward the nude beach, and deputies say it was then a nude suspect started hitting them with a police-type baton. Well, the guy in the boat, 74-year-old Donald Keeney of the coup, advanced toward the naked victim with a can of mace and a race baton. The victim fell backwards as Kenny pummeled him with a baton in the head, torso, and legs. He suffered bruises and saw a doctor for the injuries. The victim gave police a description of the attacker, and Keeney was arrested over the weekend after police found his car parked nearby. He's charged with assault and menacing. But why wasn't the naked guy charged with anything? I have no idea. Well, I guess it was his beach. So there. You've heard of adoptive highways? How about adoptive police camera? This is going on, of all places, in Flint, Michigan. They want to cover the $420,000 cost of adding 14 surveillance cameras. Now, why would anybody still be in Flint who would do something on a surveillance camera? The city and a private security firm are looking for businesses and individuals willing to pay $30,000 to have their names or corporate logos placed on one of the pole-mounted boxes and also uh, features a police shield and a flashing blue light. Uh, it just seems like there would be so few people left living in Flint, Michigan at this point. Uh, I mean, it seems like you could probably just survey the entire town uh, you know, with like one guy up in a crow's nest or something. Uh -huh. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, you know, and here's the other thing. Somebody asked me if we're going to have the bike guy on this week. Uh, oh, a couple things. A, so uh, today we're going to talk to Peter Carlin. Tomorrow, Tim Riley, Ron Dante. <laughs> Woo! Who's Ron Dante? Oh, I think I'm going to... No, he's, of... he's one of my favorite people from the... <laughs> I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm not even... No, I'm very excited. You know, you I'm know what it very, is? Very... You know what I feel like, Tim Riley? <laughs> what do you feel? Here's exactly what I feel like. I feel like, uh, I feel like Cain when he presented his sacrifice to the Lord... And the Lord told him to get bent that it was that it was like not a good enough sacrifice. It was because it paled in comparison to the sacrifice that his brother Abel presented to God. So that's what it is. I bring you the sacrifice of Ron Dante. That sounds odd, but I bring you Ron. I bring you the gift of Ron Dante, and you just you just spit on it. Just turn up your nose at it. Well, whatever. I then. I won't even say we anymore. I will be talking to singer-songwriter Ron Dante tomorrow, uh, who is the voice of the Archies and, of course, many other bubblegum hits. Here's a little bit of trivia, Tim. So Ron Dante is the only person uh, in the history of the Billboard charts to be 
in the top ten at the same time as the singer for two different groups. Do you know the songs? I don't. All right. At the same time, Ron Dante was singing lead on the Archie Sugar Sugar, uh-huh. uh, of course, under a pseudonym, because that's the deal with all those bubblegum groups. Is he was like the voice behind, you know, a lot of these groups. It was like a fictitious group, and he was the singer. So he was number I three, and I think number four in the charts, Sugar Sugar, the Archies. At the same time, he was number six in the charts, singing Tracy by the Cufflinks. Uh, so if you were listening to the top ten that week, Tracy by the Cufflinks, number six, Sugar Sugar by the Archies, number four, same guy. Nobody knew it at the time, but just same singer. He also does all the backing vocals on Mandy by Barry Manilow. That's pretty cool. Yes, it well, is, Sarah. He might come in handy soon. It's going to be an amazing interview tomorrow. That's what I'm saying. It's what a... song are we going to bring him up? Uh, uh, I think we'll probably. Well, I think we'll have to use an Archie song. But I'm going to. But I'm going to go the other way. Here's the thing: is everybody would bring him on with Sugar Sugar. I'm going to bring on Jingle Jangle, uh, in which he does oh. the voices of both Betty and Veronica. These are things only I care about, but that's fine. The interview's booked, so we're just going to have to go with it. Uh, oh, see the one that sings "I'm Going to Make Your Life So Sweet," who I always thought was Veronica and Sugar Sugar. Wait, do you mean on the song Sugar Sugar? Uh-huh. I don't know. See, here's the thing is I know that he sings lead on Sugar Sugar. Uh-huh. I'm assuming he does all the vocals on that, including the female backup vocals. Because he sounds like an African-American woman. That that was my question. Is that true on yes. Sugar Sugar? Uh-huh. The, I'm going to make your love so sweet. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, hey. I don't know. You know what? You know who might know that? Who? Hold on. Well, Chris Timmy, Paddock would know. Timmy Ryan, do you know much about the Archies? <laughs> Captain Pike doesn't know anything about the Archies. <laughs> That's fantastic. Is that Dick Everybody under the table? <laughs> he just inadvertently pressed the immolate button. You've just released the bomb over <laughs> Moscow. This is the President of the United States! Yes. yes. Too late. Yes. Ruined the bit. Do you know that? Thanks, thanks, thanks for screwing up the timing. Do you know if um, Ron Dante does all the vocals on Sugar Sugar? All right, there that you go. Is. Yeah, we're going to figure out who that is. Or I can Chris just ask him tomorrow. All right, thank you. All right. Uh, by the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. But the other thing, so people kept asking me, and I just got another email about it now. I said, are you going to be having somebody on this week uh, to, to talk about uh, bicycling and bicyclists versus cars? Uh, because, and I know that we've reached, here's the thing. It, there's this thing, this maxim they sort of tell you in music radio. Because in music radio, this is all by, by aid of, there's all an aid of saying how we are going to continue to talk about the bike car thing probably occasionally, even though everybody in this room is getting sick of it, and here's why. Because in music radio... Well, it's not about us. Well, but I care about the community. But it's like gas prices. So they always say, like, talk well, about gas, gas prices. prices. I'm tired of They it. went down. They, see, 30, 30 cents, right? In I, Hood River, it was dirt cheap, I mean, relatively speaking. It, it was dirt cheap. It only cost me $22 to drive to the east side <laughs> and back this weekend. <laughs> in I wish I could do it every day. We were doing that thing driving back from Kennewick where the car was on fumes. But my wife is just, my wife is so much more confident in the ability of the car to get somewhere on no gas than I am. Like, as soon as it gets below half a tank, I'm filling it. Because I've had a couple times in my life where I've run out of gas. And that's the worst feeling on earth. Running out of gas, especially if you're in the goddamn Oregon woods somewhere, in the middle of nowhere, like 20 miles between rest stops or whatever. You run out of gas. That's the worst thing ever. So, as soon as it starts to get to a quarter of a tank, I'm filling it up. But she's like... But we're like an eighth of a tank, and we're 35 miles from Hood River. And she's like, no, 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 you got to wait till Hood River. It'll be it'll be cheaper there. And we made it barely, but I mean, it always makes me a little trepidatious. But um, but in music radio, there's this thing where the DJs would always complain about a song being played too much. There'd be a you know a power. I remember we were this way with the Lenny Kravitz song, um, 
Are You Gonna Go My Way? Uh, and I remember when that song came out, and it was like we had to play it every 90 minutes, just every day. And then day. after that one, Fly Away or Fly Away. <sighs> yeah, and Believe was the other hit. And we were just like, and we would ask the PD, we're like, dude, this, this song is burnt. It is so burnt. It's, and the, the thing that they would always tell you is, as a DJ, at the moment when you are sick to death of the song, that's when the audience is just clicking with it. Which, maybe there's truth to that, especially then, maybe not, I don't know. But they would always say that as soon as you are absolutely sick of something, that's when the average listener to that music station is really starting to get into the song. So I don't know if it's that way with like some of this like bike, car stuff or whatever, but can I tell you this? A, on Friday, my uh, wife and I were going to the Roseland to see the DJ Shadow uh, gig, and so we're driving down, is it second? Is it second that goes by... Uh, you know, it's like there's the, there's the it's like there's well, that. It's like what Second Avenue Records is on, so it goes by like Burbotties and. It's, is it Burbotties? Is it Bur- Is it Burbotties that's like almost kind of by the homeless place? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like the homeless and, church. And 15 are right there. Yeah, so we're do- we're going there and we're and we're heading to Burnside. You turn left on the Burnside. We're there at the intersection of Second and Burnside, kind of waiting waiting to get up there and turn. And there is a truck in the lane in front of us, not parked. But I think he'd stop for a minute to let somebody out or whatever. So it's like the light is green. There's a truck stopped in front of us, not parking, just pausing. And I'm kind of weighing my options. Like, can I swing around to the right and get around him? Am I going to have to wait? Are we going to miss the light? Whatever. And so this is at night, by the way. It's like 10 o'clock at night. As we're sitting there waiting, I'm like, what should, what should I do? Am I going to be able to pull forward? I think I can pull forward. At that moment, three bicyclists, no lights, no helmet, no reflectors, all handily dressed in dark clothing, go zzz and whiz right between me and this other truck, like down the middle of the street. With, uh, I mean, and I didn't hit them, but, you know, I very easily could have because I was just about to pull out and swing around to the right of the truck. And I would and I just, and I I just, would have pasted at least one of them. And so my wife and, and I just, and I uncorked this whole, and I say this as a guy who biked to work today, by the way, uh, I just uncorked this whole, like, you know, this, is, this is like, those guys are the problem, and I very nearly could have killed one of those guys, and this is all going to end so badly for the cycling community and whatever. And then we saw later that night on Clinton Street where all of these things, that Clinton Street seems to be like the epicenter right now on Belmont. Of, Clinton Street is, a, is a very much a bike, uh, it's a bike lane. Well, that's where I go down. Uh, I do too. And we were at uh, uh, Clinton and... Like 15th or something, like where that Hammy's Pizza place is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw some bicyclists like whiz right through it. And there was a guy in a car honked. He yells. They yell back. One of the bicycling guys stops. And of course, I'm, you know, and we're, we're sort of sitting there. And of course, I'm all excited. I'm like, look, there's going to be violence. And then there wasn't. It was like one of the bicycle guys started like turn his bike around as though he was going to kind of roll over to the car and start something. And then the car drove off. And the, but you could tell that there was that moment of tension in the air, like you were going to arrive at a flashpoint. So. Anyway, and then while we were in Kennewick, we were talking to my we were talking to my brother and my sister in law about it because she's from here and her parents still live here. And we I was like, Oh, you know, there's this whole because she said, Well, what's going on in Portland? And I was like, Oh, there's this whole thing with bicyclists and and, and, and my brother and my sister in law who live in Wenatchee, they don't even live here. The four of us in the living room, like within about fifteen seconds, like it immediately degenerated into this like big, really loud raised voices, not angry, but very, very intense argument about bicyclists versus cars versus whatever. Uh, so it's just, it's a whole, I mean, it is it is what people are talking about now. Here's another ugly story from Seattle that that's close to that. I, there was a big deal in Seattle well, this weekend. The driver, who was attacked by a mob of bicyclists during Friday's critical mass demonstration, said he was really scared and panicked 
Uh, the altercation took place Friday night as up to 300 bicyclists are riding down the street in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, blocking traffic on both lanes. It was part of the monthly rolling protest that asserts cyclist rights to the road. Actually, they hold everybody else up and break all kinds of laws. Yes. As the bicyclist rode by, the driver was trying to pull out of a parking spot with a super station wagon at 5th and Aloha Avenue. The exact sequence is unclear, but witnesses agree the driver was blocked by a large group of cyclists. There was an angry exchange of words, and some bicyclists sat on the car and began banging on the vehicle. One guy shouted, we should flip the car. And I was really scared, said the driver. I would be, too. He said someone started rocking the car, and somebody else uh, spit on the hood. I just kind of panicked. I was going to rev my engine, but it's a stick, and I panicked. Uh, I had it in first, and I went forward, and I knocked over a few bikes, said the driver. But one of the bicyclists who was there gave a different story. So, Well, that's the thing, right? So he was... It was a clear example of road rage. Uh, so the driver didn't want his name revealed. So this is so critical. As I understand, let me see if I get the beats of the story right. So critical mass is who, blocking who are the road. Innocent. Who are jackasses? Uh, it's mob rule, really. I mean, well, really, mob rule on two wheels. You know what? And the people we know who are who are serious bicyclists, I, I'll tell you this. I know very few, and I don't call myself a serious bicyclist in any way. But the people I know who are sort of real bicyclists, like uh, Court from KUFO, for example, hates critical mass. Hates him with everything in him. Uh, just thinks that they're absolute jackholes. Mm. Uh, so let me understand. So critical mass, as they do, are blocking the road, yeah. trying to stick it to the man, and the man is never who they're sticking it to. The man is not trying to get home from work at five o'clock. I'm sure th- this w- was a rich fellow driving a little Subaru wagon. Yeah, that's exa- I mean, that's the thing is that the critical mass people are always the only people that they're ever gumming up the works for are people you know trying to get to work mm. or trying to get home from work. So critical mass blocks the road. This guy's what trying to get out of a parking lot. Yeah, can't. Because they're on the hood. Because they're on the hood. They surround his car. He is trying to get out of the mob and then knocks over some bicyclists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole thing. Just, see, it just, I just, I feel bad coming. There are black storm clouds. I'm telling you right now. There's going to be, by the end of the summer, by the end of August, there's going to be some serious beatdown put on somebody or other in this city. I mean, we almost had it a few weeks ago with that guy uh, in the car and the drunken bicyclist swinging the thing like a club. And I'm not saying motorists are, are innocent. Certainly not. I mean, there's certainly enough guilt to go around on both sides. I'm just telling you, there's going to be something bad, very bad that happens soon. I can just sense it. I can feel it in my well, bones. Irresponsible people are irresponsible people, regardless of their mode of transportation. Right. That yeah. was that was, and that was. What my happens thing. if drivers form their own critical mass and, and start running? They do. It's called stuff. rush hour. I was just gonna. I was. I was just gonna say. I think we do have that twice a day. Uh, so in any event, so the, the point is, uh, yes. the guy that Sam Adams recommended us to talk to about the cyclists, he was out of town last week. He's back this week, but I think he has Richie as the contact info. Richie's gone. So I'm trying to track down Richie today and see if we have the contact info for the guy and we'll see if we can get him on this week. Cause I want to, I want to sort of do it while, while it's, you know, because it's a thing that people are sort of, are sort of talking about. And I don't, and I don't really know the answer to a lot of the uh, to a lot of the questions that uh, that people ask. So, you know, my brother uh, made an interesting point. My brother who's got a very sort of socratic mind about things. He made the point that if you are a car and this is just more of a philosophical. This is just sort of an angels on the head of a pinpoint more than anything else. Uh, but he made the observation that if you are a car, there is not only a maximum speed limit, but there is a minimum speed requirement. That if you're in a car, you can't drive at 10 miles an hour. Uh, and the logic is because you're going to be just messing everybody up. You're just going to be a stick in the spokes and stopping traffic, and you're going to be a pain in the ass. That's the rule of my neighborhood, though. That you that you what? If you drive around the city streets of my neighborhood, you can't drive over ten. So that's so in your so like the suburb, you have to stick at ten. In certain developments. In certain developments. So he was pointing out that on the regular city street, though, if you're a car, 
you have to go a certain speed or else you can be ticketed. And his whole thing was, if the bicyclists have to drive in the road, and yet they are in cap- and, and yet a bicycle's top speed is about the same as a car's minimum speed, then it doesn't make sense to tell cyclists they have to be in the road. That was his whole thing. He's like, you ought to be able to use the sidewalk. He's like, it doesn't really make sense, on the one hand, to force bicycles to be in the road when their top speed is a speed that would get a car pulled over for going too slow, that the whole thing is just illogical. And uh, so I have to agree with that. It's just, That's it's, very true. It is. Actually. It just makes no sense. So it's like bicycles are being forced into a behavior that cars would not be allowed to do. Uh, the whole thing is just it's, it's like it's just such a big ball of yarn. I can't even begin to untangle well, it. Let's give so. stations up and down the line five minutes to identify themselves. Five minutes, really? I mean five seconds. K. C M D Portland. <laughs> we now pause for four days for station identification to be tapped out in a series of Morse code messages. I wonder if that would work. I wonder if you could do a legal ID in Morse code. I would assume. I wonder so. if you even have to do it in English. There's no national language, right? We no. do not have a national language in no. this in this republic of ours. I wonder if I could just do it in Afrikaans or in that. Clicky voice language. Portland. What kind of clicky language is that? You know what I mean? What country does that come from? I don't know. In the language, it's like in the language of uh, the language of Comedonia in my head. (laughs) The language, the language of the language of uh, it is the the People's Republic of 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 Waconia, where everything is funny. (laughs) I made some notes this weekend. Who wants to hear them? I do. Oh boy! I want to create a bumper sticker that says "Vagina is for lovers." Tim laughed at that. Sarah didn't, but Tim laughed. That's a win. That's a fifty percent. If I was, that's a fifty percent. That's a five hundred batting average right there. Well, I'm semi-medicated too. <laughs> if two out of p- three people in the room agree it's funny, then it's funny. Because I saw like five of those Virginia is for lovers things, and I don't even know what that means. Like, why is Virginia? Who decided that? Is that the state well, of Virginia old. that says it? Yeah, that was a long time ago. But I mean, did did Virginia themselves say that? I guess so. Yes, Virginia, there is a lover. I mean, I don't know. So, anyway, vagina is for lovers. That's funny. You know that, you know that, the, like... It, it, I think that's the first thing you think of. Right? People would buy that. Uh, when you think of love, you think vagina. Uh, people would buy that and put that on their car. Mm-hmm. We we all know people that be vaginas for lovers. That's great. Right on the car. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Somebody in the office was, sh- was screaming this this morning at the top of her lungs. Who gave the Jehovah's Witnesses my email address? <laughs> who knows who that was? Sarah Wagner. No. Think, Lacey. think, yes, I was going to say, think angry. Yeah. Yes, Lacey Turner was screaming this morning. Who gave the Jehovah's Witnesses my email address? Here's something people never say. Take a stand for quadriplegia. Uh, and finally this, I was looking at one of those like little crane grabbing things. Uh, the, you know, like the little, the, 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 the little toy grabbing oh, yeah, thing. The Safeway. The red box. And there was a sign on it that says, out of order. And I thought to myself, what does that even mean? They're waiting for the repairman. But out of order. Shouldn't it just say broken? Not working. What does out of order even mean? The claw doesn't close. I know I know colloquially the message they are trying to send. Oh, it's like a Seinfeld esque question. It's like the phrase out of order. What does that mean? For, like whence does that phrase derive? You know what I mean? Oh. Out okay. of order. What is the, the order that they're talking about? Like what is the it seems doesn't that seem like a strangely British phrase? Yeah. Almost almost like a legal phrase. Uh, when they say, you know, you're out of order. How, that's a thing they say to people like in court when a guy stands up and says, it's not true, you bribed me to kill your wife. And the, the judge says, you're out of order. But, like, how does that work with the candy grab machine at the, at the Safeway, that it's out of order? It's not doing what it's supposed to. I guess. The phrase just makes no sense to mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's just very proper sounding. It sounds really weird. Here's another thing to think about. Oh, God. Have you noticed this? That the phrase, game over. The reason that that phrase, which is just, you know, that's what it is, uh, game over. It's, it's counting the space. It's eight, nine characters. And of course, we started using that because video games had very, very, very limited memory. There was only so much room for so many. You could only put so many things on the chip. I think that goes back to pinball machines, though. And, uh, yeah, but it's like they had to get the message across in the fewest possible letters because there was very little memory. So they would just say, like, game over. And it's, yeah, and it's noisy in the parlor that has several of these machines, so you might not know. And they had to make it clear to you, yeah, in the fewest possible letters that the thing was done. It's funny how game over has just sort of become an accepted phrase. Like it's this weird non-English, like it's a weird stilted, like, look at banner, Michael, kind of a thing. And yet we just use it like a normal phrase. Like we've used it so often, it's just become correct. Uh, let's see. What else here? I, uh, I just think, well... Let's see. I just have too many here to get to. I don't even. I don't even know. Um, I was saying this. I was talking about. Uh, I have this laundry uh, at home, um, and so. Well, never mind. I'll get to it later because then it's just going to turn to a whole laundry discussion. So there you go. There's a many, laundry discussion. Yeah. I have all of these ruminations about my laundry. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Missing socks again? No. Okay. Well, you're probably wondering what Miley Cyrus is up to. More than anything. She has issued an apology of sorts after an online video surfaced of her apparently making fun of fellow Disney star Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato. The head of Montana personality tells Pop Star Magazine, quote, if I offended them, we're super sorry. We're super, we're super sorry. We're hella sorry. We are just like having fun. You know what I mean? We're sorry to the max. Apparently this was on YouTube uh, showing her mocking 16-year-old Gonzalez's hairstyle and a Power Rangers t-shirt she wears and making a comment about a gap that Lovato used to have in her teeth. She's all class, that Miley Cyrus. Her pal Mandy Jarox is also on the video. She adds the footage is just about imitating Gomez and Lovato. And quote, Elvis says imitation is the greatest form of flattery. What? Who said that? Elvis? Yeah. According, according to Miley Cyrus. Why won't she just go away? Elvis did... Oh, no, she's just starting. She's not even interesting. Like, Britney Spears at least gives us the head shaving and the crazy and the baby making. Like, Miley Cyrus does nothing except for just Girl, she's still more. underage. She can't be showing her you-know-what's this. Oh, she will be. No, did you no, see but those are those. But did you see those? shower? Well, yeah. she's on the waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> she's at the... <laughs> she's sitting in the lobby right now. The show your junk to just the world rehearsing. lobby. <laughs> get it done perfectly. That's the thing is that, yeah, she's told these are dry runs, so to speak. The, um... Uh, the lighting is right. Yeah, the... the the um um those photos of her purportedly I mean she's clothed let's be clear about that but she's like it's like it's almost like a wet t-shirt thing oh, yeah. and somebody sent us me like check out these photos of Miley Cyrus in a wet t-shirt and I'm like um no you know I don't think I'm gonna have those on my computer but thanks because uh, it was sort of like it was one of those celebrity blogs where it was like a cleaned up version it was like just that like it was all kind of blurred or blocked or whatever so I didn't really like so you could just sort of see her face but I thought I thought what a weird time we live in do you know what I mean. I mean, you can't really see. You can't imagine Annette Funicello doing that's that. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, Annette Funicello. She was pure. As the and she was in snow. one of those beach movies over the weekend, and she's on the beach in a dress that doesn't even show her neck, <laughs> with Bobby Darren in a convertible <laughs> all, the, all the way down to her ankles. <laughs> Not until we're married. How much fun was that? I guess she didn't want to get beach sanded. In, well, in any crevice. I suppose that is true. Well, that's everything ties back to Kennewick today. There are very few ladies left. And Don um, Rickles was in one of those beach movies. Was he old then? Yeah, he looks the same as yeah. now. Hockey puck. Uh-huh. Uh Well, you know that's my uh, my nutcase. Uh, well, one of I should I suppose I should specify them so it doesn't sound like my whole family is crazy. But you know, one of my nutcase uh, brothers. You should la- label them by letter. 
Nutcase, uh, well, his name's Wayne, and he's crazy. Uh, and so, but he's one of the he's one of the chunks of the family that all moved down to Texas to live in this compound while they wait for the coming of the Lord. Um, and uh, and they keep and they just at some point we're gonna have to send them like a cease and desist letter to quit asking my mom to move there with them. I mean, like, and she sort of said like, no, because and my mom, and because she's you know because she's the mom, she can't come out and say like, no, you're crazy. You're crazy, and I know that something went horribly wrong in your childhood. I warped you inadvertently somehow, and that's why you're down there, uh, like, collecting rifles, waiting for Jesus. So she can't just say that. So they invite her to move down to this uh, religious compound with, with them in Texas. And she always just has to say, well, no, I, I sort of like it here in Kennewick. But that was one of their things. Like, I remember being a kid, and we would have to stay with him occasionally. And so my older brother, he's much older than I am, and so we would sort of stay with him over a weekend or for a week or whatever. And we would go, like, to the old to the old swimming hole in Kennewick. And I would go with my, technically, my nieces, but they were about the same age as us. And the girls had to, to go swimming in these, like, full-on little house on the prairie dresses. I mean, head to ankle and then long sleeves. Swimming, it's like in a full-on... Uh, it's like an Elizabethan sleeping gown. I mean, just covering your entire body. I mean, that's no way to that's no way to grow up. So anyway, just, mm. the, the world is just full of nutcases. They really are. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, you're probably wondering what Donald Trump is up to today. Is he declaring bankruptcy, closing something, saying something angry about Rosie O'Donnell, no, divorcing? He's, he's revealing the secret of his hair. Yes, he tells the Sunday Telegraph of London that he combs his hair when it's wet, then sprays it when the hairspray is uh, just so. So it doesn't get blown up by the wind. Is this really a news story? It is, believe it or not. <laughs> he said his styling tricks were no match for a recent trip to Scotland, where the winds there destroyed his hair. He also admitted that he often gets made fun of for his hairstyle, but he doesn't think it's that bad because it is mine. But it's a comb over, right? I mean, that's... He said some people want to over. comb it back, but he doesn't think that he should do so. But I mean... This is actually a news story. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the source? Is it like Metro or AP? Undated. Or? Undated. In the to-go-to pile. Uh-huh. Uh, this is in the free pile of news. Oh, by the way, can I just tell you this? Uh, so um, we were taking a bunch of uh, a bunch of stuff to Kennewick, like to give my mom and whatever, and we had to clean up the trunk of the car. And the trunk of the car was just a whole bunch of crap, just just like you know, just like old stuff that like you didn't want to throw away, but you didn't really need them. Like, what's this? Well, it's like it's the it's the glass container part to a blender. You know, no actual blending can be done with it. It's just the, like the pitcher part of the blender. So we had all that stuff. You know what we did? We took your advice, Tim. We put everything out with a sign that said three dollars. Came back, all of it gone. Yeah. I mean, if you say free, they probably. You know, if you say free, they probably perversely won't take some of it, right? You can see some child's eyes lighting up on Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can sell this for. I can sell this for an eighth of a bag of meth. Right. Just tie a bowler on the flat tire. It's the greatest thing you would ever see. <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, so just, they just took it all away. But with Donald Trump, he says it's his own hair, and I'm not saying he's bald. I clearly don't know. But wouldn't you just like to? Wouldn't you just like to see him? I'm not saying anybody should do this, but in the abstract, wouldn't you just want to see him dunked in some water and then just brought up just once, so you can just see what it looks like in its natural state? Mm. Because you believe it's a comb forward. Is that the deal? I believe it's a, it's like a swoop comb, like it's forward and it's the side. Like he's just wrapping it all around, like a Bob's Big Boy kind of a thing. Yeah. All right. Maybe there's a bobby pin in there or something. Uh, should I be taking these calls? We haven't taken any calls. Yeah, I feel I'm such a jackass. I'm sorry. This is another one of those days where, like, people are like a 90 minute wait or something. I'm sorry. That's me. I uh, I suck. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. How can I help you? Uh, hello. Hi. Um, uh, another call about the bicycles, if you can handle one quick. No, bring it on. See, it's what it's what people in Portland are talking about today. 
Well, one thing I'm curious about, from just from a driver's perspective, and I'd like to know what some bicyclists think about this, but I think it's where some drivers get really ticked off here eventually. It's not one particular thing that happens, but just I don't drive in Portland often, and I, when I do, I'm, I have a truck and a trailer because I have to for my job. And what happens is, and this, is, this isn't where there's a bike lane, this is where there's not one, and usually wherever you're going, you're going in a straight line anywhere from 10 to 20 or more blocks. And what happens is you're, you're waiting at the signal, and there's a bicycle or two or whatever there, and the, the signal turns green, and a, a car or two get ahead of the bicyclists, and then the cars get lined up behind them. And with a truck, you have to wait till there's nobody coming the other way, and I get in plenty of room and get around. And I think where a lot of the close calls are is the little cars kind of uh, squeeze in between the bike and the oncoming traffic. But then what happens is over four or five or whatever blocks of this kind of an exercise, you get to a stoplight, and everybody stops, and then here comes the bicycle up to the front of the line again. And then it turns green, and the car, too, gets past Oh, I see. So you're saying that... Then, you're saying the bicycle is making everybody sort of wait, yeah, and it happens than, every stoplight. Yeah, the bike go, gets to the go, front again, and everybody has to wait yeah. again. If there's, excuse me, if there's a bike path, it's not an issue. And if I'm not mistaken, if you have the rights of cars, you're supposed to stop in line and wait and then take your turn, whether it's a signal or a stop sign. And so what happens is you, after doing this three or four or five times, you've got a whole lot of really ticked-off drivers getting behind because the line gets longer and longer and longer. Yeah, and, longer. and you have to you have to stare at the same butt over and over again. And it gets really <laughs> frustrating. And it's always and, a flabby butt too. Yeah, and then, but but also one thing I haven't heard anybody mention, and I don't know if this would be feasible or not. I mean, if you're talking to uh, the experts, maybe bring it up. But you know, a while back they closed off one whole road for a day for uh, from cars, so just bicycles and skateboards and dog sleds or whatever. But uh, somebody who knew knew more about Portland or a few folks could get together and maybe area by area. If you took like every four or five or six blocks and took one road that probably was more residential, not a lot of businesses, yes. and if you just took that and closed it off to cars completely, just bicycles and everything, I, but all the other blocks in between were no bicycles and only cars. I think they, well, think, they did sort of something like that in Northeast the other day, didn't they? They sort of closed yeah, it off? Right. Yeah, he had oh, referenced All right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. All right. So there's that. It's it, He does bring up a great point, though, where the uh, the cyclists, well, they'll come up to the, the front of the line, and then everybody has to sort of wait behind them, and over time, at three or four or five blocks, the line gets longer and longer. Here's the thing about, I think cycles, I think bicycles, though, at some point, it's like, you have some cyclists who are in the middle of the road and, like, don't move over to the shoulder, and some bicyclists who are in the shoulder. And I think there needs to be a hard and fast rule almost about that, too, right? Because, like, do you – because all things being equal, if there's a line of cars behind you, do you – I always act like a car. I never go around the side or down the middle. I've never gone down the middle of, like, Do a you lane. move to the shoulder and let cars go by? Mm -hmm. See, and I do that, too. And I think that's the deal. Is I think sometimes Unless I'm going to turn or something, and then I need to change lanes. Yeah. And that, then I station myself right in the middle of the lane. If at all possible, I try to move to the shoulder uh, and let the car sort of go by. And I think that there's just no. I think that's sort of a thing that's left up to the discretion of the individual cyclist, which is I think probably also frustrating for motorists because you have some bicyclists who say, "Well, I'm going to move to the shoulder and I'll let these cars go by," and then you have other cyclists who say, "Screw it." I have the same right as a car. I'm going to stay in the middle of the lane, and the cars are going to stay behind me, and they're just going to be stuck behind me. And so because there is inconsistency on the part of the cyclist, then I think that frustrates drivers because then drivers themselves don't know what's right. Because if some cyclists are moving to the shoulder and letting you go by, drivers then expect that all bicyclists are going to do that. And then when they don't, they think the bicyclist is just being a jackass uh, or whatever.
It's 503-733-3970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Good afternoon, Rickster. How you doing, sir? What's up, sir? How can I help you? All right. Best day ever. Best show ever. Thank you. Kennewick yesterday. I was the gentleman that emailed you last week. I was looking for a ride. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we weren't able to put that together. It was a guy who was looking for like a rideshare thing to Kennewick because you were going to Kennewick and then uh, you were trying to find something like a traveling uh, companion to Kennewick. Yeah. Yes. That's all right. Didn't work out for the companion. Uh, nobody to ride in my rented uh, Pontiac G6 convertible. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You had to, you. That's right. You had to uh, enjoy all of the splendor yourself. Oh, it was wonderful. How it's did you enjoy drive. Kennewick, sir? Did you find Kennewick to be all that you wanted it to be? <laughs> Thank goodness. I think I went around Kennewick. Uh, you know, the Tri-City area, right? The Tri-City yes, thing? Yes, three cities. Now, Columbia Park, where the boat races are, that was in Richland. Uh, is that, is that right? Uh, no, no, no. Well, Columbia Park, depending on what side of the river you're on, if you're on the, I don't know, directions. But one side of the river yeah. is Kennewick. The other side of the river is Pasco. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was in Kennewick then. All right, yes. <laughs> okay. The best of the three cities. So you chose you chose correctly, sir. Had, had a ball. I, I was going around like 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 doing the neighborhood interview thing. So where y'all from? Uh, Kennewick, Richland, or Pasco? <laughs> and I got kind of a rivalry going, you know, because everybody everybody's in a group. Uh, sure. Groups everywhere. Yes. So, so yeah, I was just having a ball. I said, which one's the biggest and the baddest? And you know, Kennewick rules. And uh, as for the nicknames, what do you call Kennewick? The K Town. <laughs> Wait, now, did they say that, or were you trying to start that as a nickname? No, 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 they they said K-Town. Now, there was no cool nickname when I lived there. Bremerton is B-Town. Really? Everyone calls it Oh, that. see. <laughs> yeah, no one, see, when I was a kid, there was no K-Town nickname. I, I was not able to use it, I wasn't able to take advantage of that. Oh, I forgot to ask him the school um, mascot. You know, it's always a kick to me in Middletown. What, what do they call What do they call the Kenwickians? What do well, they call Well, them? here's the thing. I'll give you the, uh, in Pasco, it is the... Jesus, I think it's the Bulldogs, but I, I, I might be wrong about that. I forget what Pasco is. But in Kennewick, there are two there are two high schools in Kennewick. There are the, there's the Kennewick Lions, and then they okay. acro across town there is Kamayakan High School, and they are the Braves, complete with a completely offensive uh, metal totem pole in the middle of the school grounds. Uh, oh so there's the the Kennewick Lions, the Kamayakan Braves, and then the, this is the best one. And they're not so Braves. The, 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 the cowardly. <laughs> um, the the other one, and people always think I'm making this up. I almost wore on Friday. I almost wore my Richland High School T-shirt to work. Maybe I'll do it this Friday on Casual yeah. Friday. Richland High School, they are the Richland Bombers, and the oh, oh. The, the logo, the mascot. I swear to Christ, oh, the, no. the logo is a huge mushroom cloud with that like criss that like oh, the, the 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 radiation symbol where it's like the overlapping ovals. Like a bomb. It is. It is actually yes. It is actually not just a mushroom cloud. It is the Hiroshima mushroom cloud. They are the Richland bombers, and the logo is the Hiroshima cloud. I swear to God, that is true. Oh my, shame, shame, shame. They actually oh, sell. Here's a funny thing. The Richland High School, uh, when they uh, when they raise money around the holidays, they okay. actually sell a Christmas tree ornament. That is a mushroom cloud circled you by. You brought it in, honey. Yeah, Kara got it for us when she was in Kennewick. Bomber circled by a little. It's a it's a it's a metal. It's a gold mushroom cloud circled by little tiny atomic bombs. That's their Christmas ornament they sell. Uh, the, what a wonderful holiday yes. it is. All right. Well, did you enjoy yourself? I enjoyed it very much. So the, the the first of all, the boat races. The boat races. It was like a funny cars on the water, man. They, the, the suckers. Are, it sounded like a hot Chevy on the water. Kind of like Sarah, a hot Sarah, hot Chevy. On the water. They make cool. a, I like the boat races. They make a great noise. Nothing makes it sound like a hydroplane. You hear a hydroplane, that engine, it sounds mm -hmm. like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, the race is good. Um, the beer garden was jamming. Rick, come on. The beer garden was, was kicking. The beer garden was working. Well, it has to be. It's like a 1,000 degrees in that place. <laughs> yeah, it was. 
And I heard about uh, uh, topless entities that happened in the past, which is uh, which is why there's uh, so much security. There's security all over the place. I, I will tell you this. Uh, my brother made a reference to this, and there was an, uh, a newspaper article about it, too. Apparently, in recent years... Uh, because the the hydroplane, the hydroplane is a big speedboat, basically. Is sort of the, that's the biggest event of the year. But like everything else in America, they've tried over the years apparently to make the hydroplane races really family friendly. And as a result, the crowd, the attendance is down, revenue is down because it used mm-hmm. to just be it used to just be like booze and drugs and boobs everywhere. And I guess it's I heard not that. the letter buck room and uh, wherever that place is. <laughs> totally. And they yeah they've just they've started to just uh, I guess they've kind of squashed a lot of the fun out of it. But when I was a kid, you were guranteed bosoms at every turn. Yes, sir. Kind of uh, like the intern thing, huh? Exactly. All right, my friend. I'm glad you, glad you made it down. I'm glad you, you had a good time. Email my buddy. Thank you. Please do. Thank you. There you go. All right. Fantastic. Now, it's uh, it is an, it's an interesting... You really ought to see it at least once if you live in the Northwest. Just It's just a, it's just a cavalcade of human weirdness. There's uh, no so many people I went to, uh, to college with were all from you know, the Tri-City. Totally. So they would always go for the boat, boat, boat races. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm gonna, I'll wear my uh, Richland Bombers uh, shirt uh, to work on Friday. All right, here's Tim. All my Olympic um, Trojans. Let's all wear our high school clothing to work. Tim? I, don't, I can just wear a tie then, I guess. <laughs> I Dress as you do now. Yeah. Dress as you do now, except with a little, with a little craft. I don't know yeah. if I have one. I'll have to look. You don't have a, a shirt from your high school? I, I do, but I think it's in Bremerton. Well, see, to be fair, actually, I didn't even go to Richland High. So um, I wear the Richland High shirt because um, uh, cause it's hilarious and because it's hilarious and offensive. And um, and my dad went to Richland High, and so there was always, like, Richland High crap, like, ar- around our house. Uh, well, let's just do a few more of these since we're so behind, and we'll do some more news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, there is a high school in Canis, um, just east of Vancouver in Washington, and their mascot is the Papermakers. The Papermakers? Yes. There's a paper mill out there, which is pretty much where everyone out there works. Like, my uncle has worked there for... God, I don't know. What is what, what does the actual logo look like? Is it like a guy? Is it like a guy sitting at a bar, like after oh, work yeah. drinking? <laughs> um, it is a guy. I don't remember what he's holding or anything. I didn't actually go to that school. It just always cracked me up. The, and the paper whole town makers. Smells bad. The pa- oh no, no no that whole town smells like ass. It's oh it's for so, sure. There is. Can I just tell you this? Let's talk about smells for a moment. There <laughs> there is there there are a few more distinctive smells in this world. Than the, than the smell of a paper mill. A paper mill has a smell all its own. There's just no getting around that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was afraid I was going to smell like that when I'd uh, come into <laughs> well, Vancouver. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. There you go. Uh, but, Timmy Ryan, you are giving away today to one random caller a copy of uh, The Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, uh, on DVD. Let's do uh, two more, and then we'll do a couple stories, then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up, sir? Well, I just want to make sure you weren't missing out on your... Cable viewing. Is this about Mad Men? Yeah. Uh, So Tim Tim saw it last night. I did not see it last night. I will be viewing it this evening. I did not see Mad Men season two premiere last night. Tim Riley did, though. Right. Well, I live in western Washington County area, and I got the, you know, the the $9 a month cable. Yeah. And with that comes channels 70 and 71, which is E and AMC. See, and somebody, I had thought uh, that it was on because I use the TiVo for everything, so it strips away your channel knowledge. So somebody told me that with the basic cable I'm getting that I, in fact, do get Mad Men. Yeah, you should. No, see, so so I was actually, so I was so misinformed last night, I just assumed I didn't get it. So it looks like I screwed myself. We're not offered basic cable anymore. Really? We're forced into the entire digital package. You have no, they, no, you're, you're offered, it's glorious, and they give you. That's true. It's not, you're not forced, Tim, they're, uh, they know what's best. They'll uh, they, unplug everything if you don't take it off. <laughs> <laughs> you take off cable and we unplug everything. All right. 
Uh, all right. So, but the, so you saw it last night. Yes. All right. And was it fantastic? It was fantastic and mesmerizing. All right. And Tim spoke very, very glowingly of it. So I look forward to seeing it. Great. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye. All right. There you go. No, cable really is like the best thing on earth. It really is just like a, it's a glorious thing. It's just over the course of the the spring and summer. It's just my wife and I were just not home a lot, and when I was home, I was just as Gary Cole would say, playing a little bit of catch up. I was just trying, I was just trying so hard to catch up on stuff that I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, uh, I use Comcast, high speed uh, internet access every day, every day of my life, and I'm not just uh, this is not just me uh, shilling for them. They, 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 it's like the, their cable internet's like the best thing I've ever had. It is, I there's no way I could ever go back. Um, the cable TV, I just didn't have time for it though. Well, I was cables, just, and, and sorry, it's just so expensive. And so it's but very wonderful. It's, it's well here's it's that's just I mean it just is I mean like if, things if in you're life, not like, watching it mm-hmm. if you're not watching it it's an expense that like you just don't feel like you're taking this advantage is true, of that's because the if thing. I was if I was at home a lot more than I am then I, it would probably be more worth it to me but since I am out and about you know spending money on going to concerts or doing whatever like can I tell you you know when you have you know when that's your best friend is when you're unemployed. Really, that's the paradox of it. When you're unemployed, I don't care what you have to do to pay for that cable. When I was working super yeah. early mornings on Coin, and it was during the unpleasantness when we were fired yes. that second time, um, so I'd get off work, you know, at 7:30 and have nothing to do. So I would just sit and watch, TV, you know, because all my friends are at work. Oh, so I'd if, sit and watch like hours of TV and like TiVoed crap and stuff. All if you're day. between gigs or like my wife has a thing where she gets like like a week off sometimes because she's had to work like a bunch of graveyards in a row. That's that the, the cable is. Well, I told you when I was talking to Peter Carlin at the uh, at the Wildman thing, and I told him, I said, "Oh, we don't really have cable right now." He's like, "What?" And it was it was just like it was like I drowned a bag full of of kittens in front of him. Uh, but so it's we're gonna have to get it uh, sort of turned back on now. Also because there's that new David Simon thing, um, Generation Kill from the guy who did The Wire has got that. So I was just busy trying to catch up on so many things, I just didn't have time. But now, so but you give it. You give the Madman last night. You feel like it. And I'm going to go back and watch it again because I think I might have missed a few uh, of the finer points. Well, no, there's so much hype, there's right? There's so much lead up to it. I mean, that's one of those things where I'm glad it wasn't bad. It was like the Dark Knight. Like, imagine what if we'd gone to see the Dark Knight and it just sucked. I mean, that would have been the worst thing. Uh, so I'm glad that it's because, they, man, they got a strong. Okay. Uh, can I ask you one question about last night's Madman? And I don't think this is a spoiler because they were talking about this in news articles leading up to the premiere. So. I guess maybe if you don't want to know a little bit of a spoiler about it, you tune out for like the next 10 seconds. Uh, but they talked about this in the New York Times, for example. Is it true that Mad Men Season 2 starts off three years after last season? I believe so, yes. Oh, that's so cool. Especially because last season, and again, tune out for about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear how Season 1 ends. I'm giving you that warning right now. If you don't want to hear how Season 1 ends... You don't have to turn it off and turn it down for like 30 seconds or something. Uh, season one ends with Don Draper going home to find that his wife has left him. And there's this great moment where he is sitting on the steps in his suburban home in the gloom, all the lights in the house off, sitting there as the sun goes down. And he's sitting there in the darkness with that don't think twice, it's all right, playing on the soundtrack. And it's just so haunting. And, and it has, without me spoiling it, if you haven't seen it, it has a lot of shots reminiscent of Far From Heaven. Really? Those crane shots? Yeah. I mean, they're art. Excellent. Excellent. Well, the color palette on that show is just so gorgeous to begin with. Mm-hmm. And if they're working some of that camera stuff into there, too, mm-hmm. it's, wow. Far From Heaven, that's a bold that's a bold comparison. Because that's a beautiful movie. That's it one is. of the most beautiful-looking films I've ever well, seen. Well, this episode is beautiful-looking, especially with uh, the colors. All right. Excellent. All right, there you go. Uh, one more, and then we'll do a couple stories, and we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Speak now. 
Tim, Rick, Sarah, how y'all doing? Hello, what's up, sir? Hey. Oh, not much. Um, I went to uh, high school, uh, Pleasant Hill High School, mm-hmm. and our mascot was a billy goat, so we were the Pleasant Hill Billies. <laughs> that's, oh, that's unfortunate. No, that can't be true. That sucks. Awesome. Really? Where to go? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry for you, sir. And can I? Am, are we all in agreement on this? That no town or place that has the word pleasant in the title is ever pleasant. No, not really. It isn't. And you know how you're talking about the small towns. I grew up in Dexter. Have you ever heard of that? No. Yeah, it's like a three-minute town. And at one point, <laughs> it had the highest number per capita of um, camper trailers used for meth. That is great. Well done, sir. Do you get a medal for that? Oh, well, you know, I, I'm sure I would, but I'm sure it's been stolen by now. I was just going to go for that joke, too. A medal that is then stolen and sold for meth. Good for you. Ding. You're a good person. Thank you. All right, later. Oh, and by the way, this is the... Greatest thing. So you know how we're talking about trying to get that tour of the nut house? My wife's yes. she's talking to people. She's trying to make it happen. Um so no guarantees. But my wife is my wife well, she is, knows people in that circle. She does. Uh she's making entreaties or a word like that into getting us a tour of the the mental hospital. Um and I'm like, hey, we should get some like couples photos taken in like the morgue and she didn't see like, I know we all see how that's cool. Sarah, I know how you see that's cool. She didn't really see how that's no, cool. No, my friends did that for their wedding I invitation. know. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. baby, we should get some photos taken in the electroshock room. And she's like, that's creepy. You're weird. And I'm did like, yeah, come on. Do they have a crematorium? Uh, well, they must, because they have all those ashes they haven't That'd gotten rid of that's yet. That's true. The lost soul ashes. Uh, I think she's thinking of photos to send to her family is, is where this, because her family was complaining they don't have enough photos of she and I together. And she's like, we need to take some photos. My mom was saying we don't have any. And I was like, come on, in the electroshock ward. And I, don't, I think she was thinking that mom and dad might not get that. Um, what was I my point? More along the lines of glamour shots. Yeah, exactly. Glamour shots. One of those spaghetti colleges <laughs> but, on her head with the wires coming out. <laughs> glamour shots, but in a morgue. Um, what was my point? Oh, but you know, a thing I just found out yesterday. Um, I'm really warming to the subject of Kennewick now. A thing that I just found out yesterday, but it was too late to do anything about it. You know what they're now doing tours of? The B-reactor in Kennewick, which is where they made all the Manhattan Project plutonium. So you can now actually literally tour the inside of the Manhattan Project reactor. What? That would be fun. Yeah, so I'm going to do that the next time I'm back there. Uh, It's it's weird. I mean, it's a weird thing to think about. Uh, All right, here's Tim Ryan. Let's do one more. We'll take a break. If you're on hold... Hang tight. I know we were sort of bad with calls earlier. We were sort of making people wait. So when we get back, we'll uh, we'll uh, get a bunch of calls on the other side. Still to come, we'll talk to Timmy Ryan. Top five songs that a douchebag guy is guaranteed to play in the jukebox in a bar where you are. And uh, more. Stay there. Here's Tim Ryan. So let's go into the break with this uh, Oliver Stone trailer for the new biopic of George W. Which I have not seen, by the way. I haven't I saw seen the... either, so I hope there's no cussing. We'll find out. Pop me up, please. You are. I am? Okay, here it comes. I uh, remember correctly, you didn't like the sporting goods job. So what's your wall? Come on, baby. Working in the investment firm wasn't for you either. Or the oil rig job. You didn't exactly finish up with flying colors in the Air National Guard, Junior. Now, what are you cut out for? Partying, chasing tail, driving drunk. I got it. I got it. Who do you think you are? The Kennedy? You're a bush. Act like one. What drove George W. Bush, it says. From here. To here. White House. I see trees of green. This fall. Red roses too. Laura Bush. George H.W. Uh, Bush. Tony Blair. 
Barbara Bush, Colin Powell, Carl Rove, boy, that guy's creepily cast, Condoleezza Rice, Donald Rumsfeld, Dick Cheney. W. And that is, what's his name, Josh Brolin, right? Yeah. Yep. First of all, boy, how much does he look like George W. Bush there? Yeah. That guy who plays Rove is creepily well cast, as is the guy who plays uh, Dick Cheney. Um, and it looks like Scott Glenn playing Donald Rumsfeld. That's a good bit of casting. And this movie's going to be a big, huge failure. Who knows why? Who want to go see it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, his approval rating is, let me see here, his approval rating, according to this latest thing, is... One. 28%. Disapproved. I'm amazed that it's that high, frankly. But can, uh, Congress is even worse. 75% of the American public disapprove of Congress. But don't you figure that's always the case? Like, who do you know that goes, politicians, I love them. Yeah. I mean, nobody says they know Congress. They do a great job. They do. That, like, that, that, almost, that means almost nothing because everybody always hates Congress because it's just what you're supposed to do. Uh, the thing about W is, like, no one... I don't think anybody, let me, let me just, a lot of people always accuse us of being partisan hacks for whatever, but really, we like both, uh, just like both parties. Yeah, we, really, we just loathe everyone, but my thing is, do you know anybody who wants to go back and relive the last seven or eight years? I mean, anybody of any po- political affiliation goes, you know, this last decade has just been great. Let's go back and let's remember every moment of it. No one, no one, no one, no one. You don't know anybody that wants to go back and relive this administration. I mean, even if you think George Bush is a great president, there's nobody who says, boy, yeah, boy, the years from like 2001 to 2008, they were nothing but fun. Let's go back and remember. Let's go back and relive them all in real time. Uh, because, and he, and I know people will say, well, the movie isn't about his administration now as such. It's about his childhood, his whatever. The thing is, just as Barry Manilow is inextricably linked with the 70s, George W. Bush is inextricably linked with the last eight years, and to watch a movie about George W. Bush is to watch a movie that reminds you of the last seven years for this country, and no one wants to be reminded. Eh, Republican, Democrat, left, right, whatever, we're done. We're done with it. We're we're ready to turn the page and be on the next chapter, whether it's McCain or Obama or whoever. Eh, We're just done. I think everybody's ready to move on from this depressing period in American history. And I don't think anybody wants to be reminded. It's probably pretty much like the Johnson administration that you never hear about anymore. Right. Because because who wants to go back and remember the Johnson administration, which started in tragedy, ended in the quagmire of Vietnam, uh, you know, and it and took us all the way through civil rights upheavals and everything. It's just no one wants to think about it. You just want to get rid of it. You want to flush it away. So... I mean, I'm sure it'll be a great film. I'm equally sure that no one will want to see it. So there you go. If you are on hold, hang tight. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, Back after this, still to come, uh, Peter Carlin, Top 5, Timmy Ryan. More from Tim Riley. Your phone call. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy. All right, here's what's coming up. we get uh, some more of your phone calls. Oh, don't let me forget, uh, we have this week uh, run of engagement passes for two to see the Dark Knight and uh, a bunch of other Dark Knight, like a Dark, a dark Knight sort of a prize pack kind of a thing, too. Uh, give that away, maybe, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, Peter Carlin coming up later. We'll talk about the... It's awkward to talk about the Mad Men season premiere because I haven't seen it. 
Uh, we'll do that, and we'll we'll kvetch just the uh, the smallest bit about the Emmy nominations, even though it was a while back. We'll talk about his uh, his trip to uh, L.A. for the upfronts or or whatever the hell. Oh, oh, and we have uh, uh, we have a little bit of lost news uh, coming up, so we'll do that. Uh, we'll talk to Timmy Ryan, and we got the uh, the top five, Lots like a three and so forth. Yeah, in fact, let's do this. Let's go to the Ministry of Truth, inside of which let's do the Geek Watch. This is Tim Riley. And now, no. from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Bam. Robert Novak has a brain tumor. Novak said he was diagnosed uh, last night with a tumor and will soon begin treatment at Bremen Women's Hospital in Boston. That's where Teddy Kennedy was. Tumor. I barely knew her. Uh, he says, uh, God willing, he'll uh, be back to his uh, journalistic work. He'll be back behind the wheel in no time. He's alert and talking. He wrote a statement announcing his uh, illness, but in intensive care with the hospital does not allow phone calls or flowers. He's talking, said someone. He seems fine. Angrily scrawling on a notepad. He became ill Sunday during a family outing near Cape Cod. A family member called 911, where he was brought by ambulance to a Brigham and Women's Hospital. Ted Kennedy, by the way, was flown in. He had to be brought by car. Did he find time to blame the tumor on immigration? I don't know. All right. But he was in a Kennedy area when he came <laughs> I wonder if that pains him. I wonder, I wonder if it pains I'm sorry we're taking you to the Kennedy wing. No! If it just causes just the deepest internal strife. Now, if you remember, he had a pedestrian last Wednesday driving oh, Washington D.C. I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's the. Uh, when we hear that, that's the second time he's done that. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Lisa Desjardins was telling us that he's uh, allegedly uh, had already done that with some guy in the past. So. He's he's been writing since 1966, believe it or not. He's been around a long time. Driving his black Corvette. Uh-huh. Yeah. Time for a geek watch. Here's your geek watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Viewers of the fifth series of Lost will not know whether or when the action is set. Uh, according to the show producers, uh, talking at an arts and comic book convention, Comic Con, they revealed they would play around the show's flashback and flashboard formula. No more. <laughs> so so now when you watch season five, you're not even going to know when or where it's set. It's already too much. It's like, I love that show, but goddamn, like, pl- get some placement. They make it hard to love, don't they? They exactly do. They're the bad boyfriend. Mm. They're so, nice to you just often enough that you stay. So they're gonna keep doing that. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. But I mean, I, I think they were saying that they're gonna deliberately make it so you have no context for a lot of the action in this yeah, upcoming season. Because a lot season. of them, they'll give you like a newspaper clipping, or you'll see like uh, yeah. something happening in the background. Yeah. So now you're gonna watch things completely devoid of any knowledge about where it's happening or when it's happening. So I'm so glad. I have fun it. with that. I love that series and hate it. I'm gonna be so glad when it's over. Can I tell you? Uh, here, here's the thing about Lost is. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that, that. I mean, obviously, you love it, and I, and I really am not. I'm not trying to, to. I'm just saying, for me, you know, I got kind of a bad taste in my mouth about it. And at this point, I will go back and watch it. But but it's like I, I got to wait till it's done. Uh, I don't want it to be like another X Files thing where you follow it to the bitter end, and then it's just crap, and it just turns bad at the end, and then you're like, why did I waste my, you know? So if if, if I had waited on the X Files. And and waited until everybody went, no, I watched it to the end, it turns bad. Then I would have been like, oh, and I would have saved some time. So I was talking to Bobby, the fat boy, and the same thing, that he's, he's you know, he kind of pulled the ripcord the same time I did, about halfway through season two, and he's like, I'll wait until it's done. And then if the, if the general consensus is that it's worth it, I'll go back and watch it all the way. So 
I was trying to watch, uh, you know, there's that Rift Tracks thing online where it's like the Mystery Science Theater. And one of the Rift Tracks things that they offer is they do a little Mystery Science Theater commentary on this on the, the, the on the series premiere of Lost, that two-hour movie that starts the whole thing. And so I was trying to watch the Lost two-hour. Oh, that, that's when I got sucked in as soon as I saw that first episode. I was Yeah, I was watching the first episode. And even with the Mystery Science Theater commentary, which is hilarious, I actually had to turn it off after a while because I was just like, I just started getting all the same lost stress. And like, it was like weird flashbacks. I was like, oh, it's so because stressful. It's so good. It yeah. starts out and it's so good in that plane crash sequence. Oh, yeah. sorry, spoiler. There's a plane crash. It doesn't matter. And, um, the robot did it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that whole sequence when they're all, when, like, everyone's getting gathered and you're getting introduced to the characters right at the beginning. That yeah. is just, it's genius. I mean, it's, it, has, it has such potential. It has so many moments. But the thing is, I think everybody's also, they've also been burned by J.J. Abrams before. By him creating stuff that is good at the beginning, see also Alias, see also Felicity, where he creates stuff that is good and then it all just starts to suck. Like he just, he, he, he starts stro- so strong, but as he just, he seems incapable of sustaining uh, a lot of his creations. So anyway, and, and again, I really, I, and I, I am really glad that you like it. I really am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I, not. I wish I hadn't have watched it because it's just it's too much waiting. Do, do you wish that? Do you wish that if you had it to go over again? Is this like cigarettes? Do you wish? When people say, "Well, if I had it to do over, I wouldn't have put that first cigarette in my mouth." If you could do it over again, if you could go back and warn your past self not to start watching Lost, would you? No, because it's pretty cool, and I've had I've you know I've made friendships out of it. I've talked to I, I can have dork out sessions with people about it. Let me ask you this: Do you see yourself going and rewatching the series? Yes. Really? I could do it, yeah. From the beginning? Mm-hmm. All right. See, fair to see, that's the mark of a good show. Yeah. Because there's stuff like I was saying, you know, like the Sopranos. I'm never going to rewatch that. The Sopranos ended. It was such a death spiral at the end, regardless of what Peter Carlin thinks. The last few seasons were bad. The last episode was crap. And I just, it's, I just, I would have difficulty going back and watching it again. I just, uh, I have such bad memories from that. It just ended so badly. Uh, That's where, kind of how I feel with my so-called life. I love watching it. I'll uh, rewatch it. But that last episode, because it just leaves you hanging. Do you want to know something? What? I know something you don't know. What? Okay, here's the thing. On on the special edition of DVD box set, uh-huh. on the commentary for my so-called life, the writers reveal what happens after that final episode. What happens? I'm not. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh God damn it! How come you bring that up and then you because don't know? Joni told me she's like she's like hey on the DVD set for the, my so-called life. Well, I have the DVD set. Is it some special director's? If it has, does it have a commentary? If, if, if it might be the, just the special edition, I think it might have been recently released. But she says that at that sequence where Brian Krakow's waiting with his bike under the streetlight, she says the writers reveal they're like, well, in season whatever. I think it was just a one season show, maybe or two. Yeah, but she's like, the they're like, you know, in the, in the next in the next season, here's what was going to happen with An- with Angela Chase and Brian Krakow and Jordan Catalano. And she lays it out. And here's the thing: is I told, I'm like, and I told her not to tell me. I'm like, don't tell me. I'll think about whether I want to know or not. Because it ends on such a tragic, tragic, poetic note. It's like I almost, goddamn, we're like we're sitting and talking about a series that's been off the air for 50 years. Uh, but I almost don't want to know. You know what I mean? And here's the reason I almost don't want to know because, it, because the way that my so-called life ended. It's like one of those refilling my hate things, where it's like every time I start to lose my hate for network television, I can think back to my so-called life and get angry all over again, and it feeds my, it fuels me, just like with Sports Night. Uh, so I almost don't want to know how it ends, because it's almost perfect that they just screwed us so badly on that. All right, here's Tim Riley. At least three people have died, at least ten others missing, after a mountain of rubbish near the Guatemalan capital collapsed on them. The rubbish pile that contained broken glass, tires, and human remains disintegrated on Friday when people were foraging at the dump. Uh, Hundreds of police and bystanders are searching for those missing. 
near the uh, Guatemala Jesus. City area. Well, that's important. Dozens of people search the rubbish every day and take jewelry from bodies dumped there when their relatives cannot, can't afford to uh, bury them. Are you kidding me? Yeah. This is this. By the way, this is where my wife wants to go on vacation. When it is, let's go to Guatemala. No. Like Wally style piles of not, rubbish. <laughs> not, not, not happening. Not going to take place. Yeah, it's made of culture. I mean, well, I mean, seriously, what kind of city has piles of trash and human bodies? Uh-huh. So I'm not going to be doing that. Uh, because of the rains, this has happened before. Authorities try to stop people from going there, but their need is so great, they just keep on coming. Well, where else are you going to find bodies? So Last month, eight people were killed in a similar avalanche uh, near Guatemala City's main rubbish dump that's south of the capital. So uh, apparently there's more than one. Yeah. So you can get to take your pick. <laughs> many, many, many different locations. Yes, so much the juice. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how are you guys doing today? What's up, brother? Um, I got a correction for Timmy Ryan regarding Mad Men. A correction for Timmy Ryan? Riley. Do you, mean Tim, Riley. do you mean Tim Riley? Yes. All right. You should uh, apologize now for that mistake. I'm, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Tim, do you accept his apology? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Go okay. ahead, sir. Uh, you were mentioning, Tim, that, it, that Mad Men takes uh, up three years later. I said I thought it did. Okay. That could be well, and not, not, I'm not throwing anything off there, uh, uh, Rick. You're, you're going to – not a, uh, a buzzkill on the thing, but they do have – Jacqueline Kennedy doing on television. Right, the Jackie Kennedy doing the story. thing, and that was in the spring of '61. Let's see here. Well, somebody is now telling me it's it's February '62. Somebody says it's Valentine's 62, Day. I'm sorry. Yeah, somebody's saying it's Valentine's Day, 1962. So which it's would, two years later. Which would make it about a year and a half to two years later. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to correct you on that because it's right. like no, that was way too far in advance. Okay. Well, otherwise, fair otherwise, enough. otherwise the president would have been dead. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, bye. See, I had thought the same thing because that show started in 1960, and I thought if they. Oh, this is Jack. Welcome Kennedy. to the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library and Museum. Library? That's what it says. All right. Why did that just happen? I was looking for Jack, uh, Jackie Kennedy, so okay. I was trying to find the exact date of that. Oh, uh, but uh, so I think jumping three years ahead would have been a little too much because that's already three years ahead is already into the you know the cultural and sexual revolution and the Beatles and the so forth and uh-huh. the part of the great thing about Mad Men is how it is such a different world right it's you know culturally sexually in terms of uh, race relations all of that it is such a different world from certainly the one now and I think part of the don't you agree that part of the joy of that show is going to be seeing how all of those characters deal with the societal upheaval um because, you know, it's just such a waspy sort of culture that they're in. So It was February 14, 1962. Three out of four televisions tuned to CBS or NBC to watch you tour the White House. Really? Yeah, this is John F. Kennedy, yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. A couple things. Here. We'll so it's two years, years later. Two years. So, yeah. So it, Because I think the last one, weren't they going to, like, Don Draper, his wife, Betty, weren't they going to her parents' house for Thanksgiving or something? Uh-huh. And he comes home and she's left him and the Bob Dylan thing is playing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Tim. What's so, up? Hi. I was listening to some of your older podcasts. Of, uh, I think it was from January, and you're talking about uh, seeing if you could identify like what was on the Geek Watch little intro. Yes, sir. I was just geeking out, and I thought I could call in and just name the stuff. Uh, can you do it? Uh, let's see. You got a door opening from Star Trek. Okay. You got a Devo playing in the background. Yes. You got a comic book guy uh, getting frustrated <laughs> over his porn loading very slowly. Yes. You got uh, Justin Justin Long's character talking to Tim Allen from Galaxy Quest. Well done, sir. Congratulations. Yeah. And I got another question about uh, whenever you open the show. Yeah. Uh, what is Welcome to Day 12? Oh, I'm glad you said that because we had a new listener who emailed me the other day about this. A couple people, I right. like, they're like, what's the Day 12? I got a, 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 a woman and a, and a man. Was that? Were you the guy? 
Uh, I think so. I got yeah. I got a few emails about this the other day. Um, the uh, welcome to day twelve is it's a thing that was originally said by uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie uh, in their twelve days of Christmas thing. Let's see. And I, I used to have the original. Here we go. Here's the actual audio. This is them. This is Bob and Doug McKenzie on their twelve days of Christmas. Good day and welcome to day twelve. And it's a thing that uh, I used to have to play that song all the time as a rock DJ, and then it just sort of it filtered. In, into my, my brain somehow where I would say good day, and then I would say, and welcome to day 12, and then it just became a thing. I just fell into the habit of saying it. So it really has no meaning. It's just a weird reference to that Bob and Doug McKenzie song that I just started saying. Okay, well, that's, that's a less interesting explanation than you were hoping for. I thought it was a Logan's Run thing, but... Oh, hey, well, see, there you, you know, you, here's the thing. If that'll make you smile more, choose to believe that, sir. Okay, well, but, but it'd still be like, you know, welcome to last day. Or yeah, I suppose. All right, well, I, I hope that I have scratched that mental itch for you. Yeah, best show ever. Thank you. All right, Thank let's you. do one more, and then we'll take a break. Well, you're probably wondering what Lindsay Lohan's up to today, aren't you? Her cap says the actress-slash-singer is doing just fine. Despite reports to the contrary, uh, both uh, the New York Post and TMZ each claim Lohan was struck by a motorcycle outside the New York club Friday night. The report in, uh, adds that uh, Lindsay was hospitalized a short time after the alleged incident. However, her publicists denied the incident ever occurred. Of course, they line like crazy, these publicists. I spoke to Lindsay and she said nothing happened. The New York Post story cited Lohan's own father and a hospital employee as sources. Have you seen the cover of the Inquirer where it says that Britney's mom killed a 12-year-old? Oh, yeah. yeah. What is that about? She ran him over when, like years ago. Oh, is it like a Laura Bush thing like yeah, it happened yeah. a long time ago? I wonder the movie will have Laura Bush running somebody over. Wasn't it her ex-boyfriend? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure it was. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of a strange coincidence. Yes, it is. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. Timmy Ryan uh, will join us as well. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. Go nowhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We'll get to uh, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian in one second. Rick, this email says, true story. Yesterday I was practicing with my soccer team who are a bunch of Timbers Army nut jobs at Cleveland High School. Between the soccer field and the apartments next door, some people brought out a metal coffin and dumped it on the sidewalk with a sign saying, free, don't worry, no body inside. Needless to say, we investigated and we were going to try to figure out how to take it. After a while, we went back to playing it and only took about 10 minutes before some crazy dude pulled up in a Nissan Sentra. He spent an hour trying to figure out how he was going to put the 8-foot, 100-pound metal coffin in his tiny trunk. He finally gave up and we got a pickup and took it home so we can put it a, so we can paint it the Seattle Sounders colors and bring it to the oh, Timbers game genius. and menace the opposing team or some nonsense. And he says, behold the power of Southeast Portland. That's our friend, uh, Aram. Aram, oh yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Aram, he of the being stuck in the WB Indeed. costume. Represent. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. I don't know the sounder. Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey. Hey, what's up, brother? How are you? Uh, I'm fine. How are you? I'm I'm fine. Do you sound a little amped up today? Me? No. I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm sleepy, so I'm just trying to... I'm You're fine. overcompensating. I am. You are, uh, Peter, I, you have the best pictures from the Willamette Week party. You're a crazy man. Seriously, you look in all your pictures. Um, uh, you just, uh, I think that means there's nobody on line one, Sarah. Um, okay. There we go. Um, th- in all of your photos, you just look really, really uh, hyped up. Like drunk? I didn't say that. Um, well, that's what somebody accused me of. Not even right. Really, you, you there's one picture of me, and, 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 and it's a weirdly posed picture because clearly. Uh, it's just one of those, you know how, like, if you snap... Oh, this is you in the beer bottle? Yeah. Yeah, I've got that photo. I saved it, and I was going to make it my wallpaper at home, but I haven't gotten around to doing it yet. 
Do you know the photo I'm talking about where he's yeah, uh-huh. with the beer bottle? Yeah. Uh, can I just tell you, here's what you look like, and I'm not saying this is the case, but it yeah. reminds me of Jerry Lee Lewis at one point. Jerry Lee Lewis, there's this thing where he was, um, he was like a little virtual tour of his home, mm. uh, kind of taking the cameras through and showing him his tour. And there's this, there's this great, and there's Jerry Lee Lewis showing photos of himself. He's like, you know, this is me with Elvis, and this is me with Johnny Cash, and this is me, whatever. There's, um, there's this one photo where Jerry Lee Lewis is at the piano, and he has this look on his, and you can tell like he is just speeding out of his mind. Mm. And he does the greatest thing. Jerry Lee Lewis looks and he goes, "Looks like somebody in this picture is on some drugs." <laughs> uh, in that way that only he really can. And uh, I'm not saying that's the case with you, but it, you, you yeah. do very much look like that. So. Well, you know, it's an awkward photo, is the deal. And I was just, uh, I mean, what can I say? It, I have it was a couple the... beers, but you know, I can drink a couple beers and not like be hauled out of there by the law but it was it was in fact quite the opposite because uh, you were in fact on xanax in that photo aren't you <laughs> not to my knowledge didn't we was that after the fact what the the, the xanax? conversation about xanax oh i'm sorry is that not for public uh should we not be talking about your xanax use ixnay on the annex way to go Ooh, rick oh i'm out. sorry i didn't i had no idea no no no, no. that had been like days earlier oh. when i was still in la oh okay well never mind then I, i'm sorry i didn't mean to, uh, to be awkward about it i thought it was no, a known no, thing fine I don't know if it was on the QT, as they say. Yeah. Hey, well, so, it, had it been, it, were, it wouldn't be anymore. But oh. anyway. Well, here's the so. thing. Uh, you should know that I haven't seen the season premiere of Mad Men. Oh, really? Uh, because uh, and, and this will just uh, this is the, the prompt you to, to unleash some disproportionate anger at me again about my cable thing. But um, because I told you that we got rid of cable, we didn't really true. We just scaled it back to the minimum. Mm. But then, and I sort of assumed that didn't include AMC, but now people are telling me it did. It does include AMC, which means that. Even though I assumed last night that it was a write-off, it turns out I could have watched Mad Men last night, apparently. That's weird. It's all That's very confusing. I don't even know that. I just don't even know what channels I get and what I don't because I rely on the TiVo to do all my work for me. Yeah. So. If I had been on Xanax that night at that party, yeah. I wouldn't have started yelling at you about how stupid you were for not... Uh, figuring out years and years ago that you could deduct, like, every penny of what you pay for. And really, screaming at me is what you did. I don't, I mean... It well, was, it was noisy. It there was, was a lot of ambient sound. It was noisy. It would not... You can't blame this on the sort of... on the, the background chatter in the room. It was... It, because I was talking about, yeah, the cable, and blah, 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 and I wouldn't have time to watch it, and, you know, the expanse, or whatever. And you just like you just came out of your skin. You're like, dude! <laughs> Well, write it off! And I said, what do you mean? He goes, write it off on your taxes. And I said... And, and I said... Quite innocently, I thought I said, really, I can do that? And your response was, come on, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was excited. You were. <laughs> yes, 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 you yes, were. you were, Peter Carlin. So, um, so, just, so I haven't seen last night's Mad Men, but that's just nobody's fault but mine, as Robert Plant would say. So, you know, whatever. Um, but does it, does it live up to the hype? Because there's so much expectation being put on it. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it does. It totally lives up. And the sec- I've seen the second episode too. It's just a very, I mean, it's an extraordinarily well written, very um, deeply thought out show that that has that you know that that has these fascinating characters and uh, sort of laid out against this fascinating backdrop of the early '60s. And and you know, and and the guy that created it um, is coming at it with you know really big ideas about. Uh, uh, you know all these things about American culture and 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 about how you know and using these characters who uh, you know as a way to, as a way into this larger story. So it's it's it, it succeeds on virtually every level. And plus the acting is terrific and and it looks terrific and it's just a great TV show. It's a great piece of. 
popular art or any kind of art. Is there a little more uh, emphasis on Don Draper's wife this time around? Because I have to tell you that last season, it's a, first of all, there's the, the larger problem and the smaller problem. The larger problem is is that that guy, John Hamm, as, as Don Draper, is just so compelling mm-hmm. that when the camera was not on him, you know, it was like you just—I just wanted the show to get back to him. Like I found the the sort the side the side stories to be sort of distracting. So like, ah, I just want more of that guy. Um, but his wife, I was—I found her to be just sort of unsatisfyingly drawn. And maybe that's because she was supposed to be kind of a blank as a person. I don't know. Well, there's all kinds of crazy business that she's already up to this time around. And I mean, I, she's a fascinating character too. In some ways, it's one of these shows where uh, I'm watching the first season. Um, the second time through, because I've got the DVDs, and so mm-hmm. I'm, I've been watching it with uh, with the missus, and uh, who didn't see it last summer, and it's been a lot of fun to go back and rewatch them after having seen the whole thing, because there's so many subtle little moments that you miss, just because you know you're, you're not sure what's going to happen sure. yet, but little moments of foreshadowing and little ironic asides that don't pay, really pay off until episodes later when right. some other twist happens or something becomes obvious, but um. You know, I mean, it's one of the, and people say, oh, it moves so slowly and all this, but you know what? It has its own rhythm. It's not, if, if, if you're looking for a show where stuff is going to explode and bullets are going to fly and, you know, and guys are going to get whacked, I mean, that's not your show. But it is an extraordinarily, you know, it's very funny in places in its own subtle way. Um, and it's just, you know, an extraordinarily well-written um, drama, uh, you know, that's, that, 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 takes place on a whole variety of personal and, and, and social and cultural well, levels. And it's the difference between, I was talking to my uh, my family this weekend about, um, I was giving them, as I always do, the hard sell on The Wire, uh, because season five's coming out next month on DVD. And and I was you know and I was trying to explain how it's 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 you know you gotta let it unfold because it's not action packed it's, mm-hmm. it's like you know to use the tired cliche it's like watching a novel and it is the difference between. You know, Mad Men is like the difference between The Wire and The Shield. And I love The Shield. But The Shield is like never, I mean, it's like ADD television. I mean, there's, you know, it's jittery and things are always happening and something's blowing up and, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, The Shield is a very uh, subtle show. I mean, it's working on levels. I mean, it, to me, the difference between good shows and bad shows or, or great shows, you know, to me, the, the line is that the characters will say things that they don't always tell you exactly what they're thinking. Right. And sometimes they say things which are, in fact, the opposite of what they're thinking, and your job as a viewer is to understand that, and the creator of the show respects you enough to know that you will, in fact, be able to understand that that a character may say one thing and yet completely mean the opposite. Well, there's that thing that Aaron Sorkin said one time, and then he then inevitably put into the mouth of a character, which is that he said that he approached television with the radical idea that the people who watch television shows are at least as smart as the people who make television shows. Yeah. Which is, it's interesting if you go back and you watch, uh, what did I watch a while back? And it was, it was some time ago, but it was like an episode of Dallas or something. And I remember how that happened, like a TV land or maybe one of the, but I flipped by, I was like, what's this? And you know, you, with the with the, the lighting and the costumes, you can immediately tell, like, oh, this is not from now. This is a this is a retro show. And so I watched a little bit of Dallas, and it's amazing when you go back and you watch those shows how how this so unlayered they are. Yeah, there's just no everything about it is right on the surface. Every well, single thing about that. It's like Swingtown this summer on CBS. I can't remember if we've talked about this or not. Well, only that you don't like it. Well, yeah, there's that. But here's the thing. I mean, I, I watched a whole lot of it because I was because obviously it has an intriguing idea. And the painful thing about that show, 
um, and I think I wrote something about this, is that when you watch it, you get the sense that it used to be a good show. Right. Like when they pitched it and when the guys first wrote it, it probably was really good. But then it got into the hands of these network execs who have zero respect for the audience. And maybe many, you know, and maybe they're right. Maybe that's why they make ten times what what I make, you know, and and why they have really big jobs and cars and, and personal assistants and and they you know kill people for a living or whatever, and um, you know, and I sit in my basement and feel sorry for myself. But um, but the thing is, it's like you know, every moment in the show, which is supposedly a kind of a nuanced portrait of change, and you know, in the mid '70s, sort of laid out against the sort of weird little subculture of people who are into like having sex with all kinds of people you know trading spouses or whatever the swingers lifestyle baby um that you know they turned all these characters into these kind of weirdo uh caricatures played out against this caricature of a moment where you know every schlocky thing you can remember from the 70s is rolled up into one kind of you know pet rock and thrown in your face and it's just like, you know, I bet at one point these guys had enough respect to, like, to not have, like, every scene play out over me and you and a dog named Boo. <laughs> right, or, right. You know, whatever the crappiest. Because then it becomes was. that 80s show. Yeah, you know, I mean, and certain, and the thing about uh, Mad Men is that it is a very, vi- you know, a very vivid portrait of the early 60s. But it's not, they don't punch you in the face with it all the time. I mean, especially after the first episode or two. They really rein it in. I mean, it's clear it takes place in another time, but it's not like they keep like holding things up and pointing to them. It's well, my I have a friend of mine, and I'm not much of a sitcom fan, but my friend Joni actually makes. Uh, she had that whole thing where she was a, a, a fan of that '70s show, and which I, you know, and, and and I was sort of making fun of her for that and comparing it to that '80s show, and she actually sort of like gave me this little mini rant. About how that she felt that that '70s show, and I realize I'm comparing that '70s show to Mad Men or whatever, but uh, she's, that '70s show was sort of organically set in the '70s, whereas that '80s show was just a whole procession of gimmicky references. Yeah, but they were created by the same guy, weren't they? Yeah, they were. That's and that was like her whole thing. Is it like clearly he had the one sort of idea that, in her opinion, was done sort of well, yeah. uh, and then you know whatever. So um, Matt Weiner, you know, the guy that created Mad Men, I went. Um, we actually did a set visit when I was down in L.A. the other week. Um, and where I was stoned on Xanax the entire time, as you noted. Good for you. Yes, thank you. Uh, me and Jerry Lee. We were <laughs> anyway, so um, uh, uh, and Matt Weiner, the guy that created the show, was leading a few of us on a on a tour of the set, and we were in the the Draper's house, uh. and, and he was showing us the kitchen, and he began to talk about the various props and things. And one of the interesting things was he pointed out that the Drapers have this kind of schlocky like toaster that's kind of beat up and, right. and a kind of a beat up tea kettle and he said you know he said they had toasters back then that looked like buicks i mean these fantastic big shiny things and in a way you kind of want the drapers to have that but that's not realistic you know that might sort of yell something about the early 60s i'm paraphrasing him now but the fact is they're real people and they don't always have the best of everything right you know and like you can see elements of how you know, Don has. Remember, he got a big promotion or a yes. raise at the end of last season, and now they have a new living room set. But it's that subtle, you know. And there are certain things they have a kind of a neo-colonial thing that runs through their uh, their design and their house. But not every piece is the same thing. It doesn't all look like it's from the Atomic Age Museum, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, whereas 
you know, and that's the mark of distinction. You know, I mean, that's why it's a great show. So uh, this, uh, we have an email here from somebody who says, and I don't know what this is about, so spoil away. That matter it says, uh, Rick, please ask Peter about the line. What did you bring me, Daddy, regarding the chief airline account? Oh man, yeah. I don't even know what that means. So feel free to explain it. Oh well, uh, Don and the creative people, uh, copywriters, trying to work out a uh, an ad for an airline that they're working with, and um, you know, they all all the. Uh, the other copywriters always kind of, you know, they're going for like sort of cheap and easy, right? You know, so it's a, it's an airline called Mohawk Airlines, and they have all these puns having to do with Native Americans and stuff. And he just dismisses them all and tries to explain to them, you know, again as he does, you know, that everything is emotional and everything is about, you know, don't just show me some guy up in an airplane, you know, you need to explain where he's going or why he's going and what's going to happen when he gets there. And there's a picture of him. And he's he's late anyway, and he's being greeted by his family. But he'd also talked about there's kind of a sexual you know uh, impulse when you're traveling. You know the rules are kind. It's like you know the rules stay behind, and you could theoretically screw around on the road. I guess some people do. And uh, and but but the picture is of this guy being greeted by his wife and daughter, and someone saying something. And it could be the daughter, and it could be the wife. But the the tagline that um, Peggy comes up with is. What did you bring me, Daddy? Which you could, oh, wow. Yeah, right. Which you could, you could interpret coming from the daughter's mouth. That's sweet. I mean, that's what children say right. when you walk in the door. But it, you know, but you kind of would rather hear it from the old lady, you know, because because then it's all sexy and whatnot. Oh, Givinsky. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So that was the thing, and 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 I think at least that was my interpretation of it, and maybe that's what you're. Well, that's the whole thing. Is like you're supposed to. I mean, and, and yeah. you know, those conversations really happen. Sure. You know, at the ad agency. So I said, okay, well, I got to now. I got to watch it. Yeah, oh. Would that they happened to my house when I got home from LA? Because uh, really, what did you bring me? Just annoyance and fatigue. Seriously. Uh, let's see. Um, real quickly, uh, we got a we got a skedaddle, as they say. Uh, 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 the other reason that I'm gonna, and I'm gonna have to get HBO back is you have. I mean, and I should have known this, but very high praise for Generation Kill. Oh my word. Which is the new David Simon uh, joint, as yeah. they say. Uh, is that a mini series? Is that the deal? It's like seven it episodes. Is seven episodes. All right. So yeah, and they'll undoubtedly be running around on that, but I got to watch that. So yeah, it's pretty rocking. All right, brother. Uh, well, we will get you what next month. You're back in town now, kind of for for, for at least the foreseeable future. Yes, sir. All right, my brother. Travel plans. All right. Enjoy your week. We will talk to you next Monday. Uh, I'll look forward to it. All right. Thank you, Peter Carlin. Okay. All right. There you go. There, Peter Carlin. Read him in print in the Oregonian online at OregonLive.com. Ooh. All right, back after this with Tim Riley. And then, Sarah, in your opinion, should we talk to Timmy Ryan or should we do the top five? I know you had something you wanted me to... Well, I think we'll do both. I think the thing I need to talk to him about wasn't very long. Is but... there? You said there's some sort of happening in the world of Timmy Ryan. Uh, there was some kind of interesting development. I was speaking with him this morning. I think things might be... Is it something he asked you not to discuss? He didn't say not to discuss, but he didn't say to discuss. There you go. That's the best kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right, back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. Like us at 3, Michael Maris show at 7. Uh, be sure to join us tomorrow when our guests will include Nina Parker from TMZ.com and singer-songwriter Ron Dante. My favorite. Tim's very excited. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A fire is closed at a highway. Highway 30 is closed, about four miles west of Columbia City in both directions. Due to a fire, no word on whether or not a detour is in place. 
Abandoned monkeys fire in love in Longview. A local couple has made a habit of taking in abandoned monkeys to save them. They accept them, and they accept them for life. They get from all over the country, mainly from families who kept them as pets. Apparently, their abandonment is due to ignorance. Take the case of Rambo, a white-faced monkey, who came to this family after the owner had all its teeth pulled out because Rambo started biting. All of Rambo's food now has to be cooked and mashed. This is the weirdest conglomeration of sentences I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Schultz and the other monkey people are specially trained to deal with the monkey's physical and emotional needs, something few people can actually handle. You have to respect them for what they are and let them be monkeys. That is true, Tim. Meanwhile, Taylor Swift has graduated uh, from high school. Really? She received her diploma by mail. <laughs> she had attended the ninth and 10th grades at Henderson High School. After her career began to take off, she enrolled in Erin Academy, a private Christian school that offers homeschooling. Making the switch allowed her to be on the road for concerts and meet and greets while continuing her very valuable education. Well, there you go. Rick uh, says, uh, thankfully, he's talking about why don't I just TiVo Madman. He says, thankfully, I get AMC. My wife lovingly TiVoed Iron Eagle for me over the weekend. That plays like every other night. I'd never seen it. What an awful movie that is. Awful and great. He says, I thought maybe it was a rival studio's plan to piggyback on the success of Top Gun, but they both came out in the same year. Well, it's proud of it. they probably knew Top Gun was in the works. And it was sort of like a Roger Corman-esque way to sort of like, you know, sort of cheaply like get on the uh, the Top Gun bandwagon. Yeah, Iron Eagle is, is a great and terrible movie. A uh, fish-like creature with legs has been caught in Florida. And uh, apparently a lot of people are spooked by it. Caught where? I don't know which one of us thought. That was me. It is that a was fish with two front legs and no scales. Uh, apparently, uh, a lot of people have sent in, uh, it is an amphibian that is a member of the salamander family, and it is described as being very reclusive. That's why we don't see very many of them. Uh, it was a great night fishing, and I won't forget it anytime soon, said the woman who pulled in the fish with legs. A scaleless fish with legs. Uh, at what point does it quit being a fish? Well, like, what makes that a fish, then? It only has front legs. So, it... It has oh, to pull okay. itself around. Uh, it's doable. So is it still alive or is she going to eat it? It's, it's a handy, capable fish. Okay, there you go. There you go. Fantastic. Well, that's it for now. Do we have more interesting things to do here? Well, well no, bring in the, the well, Timmy Ryan. But we should say, first and foremost, the answer to that is no, uh, Tim. There's nothing more interesting than you. I don't think so. I think uh, we no. have uh, Mr. Ryan here to tell us about well, his uh, life. He may be interesting, but he's no you. Tim, let's just be very clear about that. Well, all right. I know you've got to go prepare news for the people again. I do. All yeah. right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Uh, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, Timmy Ryan, can you join us in the studio, please? That'd be great. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's Timmy see. Uh, this is the, this woman uh, wants us to know that. Let's wait for it here. Um, the, uh, what does it say? The, in Freeport, Illinois, the high school team is called the Pretzels. That's fantastic. All right. Hello, Timmy Ryan. How are you today? Hello. Hi. Why? Why you're wow. loud? That's exactly how you are. All you right. know why I'm so loud? I am losing my hearing. You know, but that's uh, Tim isn't loud, and Tim's almost completely deaf. Really? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. My hearing's been gone for quite some time. Yeah. Have my... a hearing aid? No, I just have no, his hearing aid cranked is... up all the way. <laughs> that's the hearing aid. He's turning the volume that's knob. A... Is his hearing aid? That's what I noticed about all the DJs that I've worked with. No offense to you, Tim, who've like been no. in the industry for a long time. Uh, yeah. Is that I'll come in the studio and like the. Uh, that the uh, headphones will actually be louder than the monitors in yeah. the studio. No. no, and it totally throws you off, too, because his are super loud as well. Yes. Rick's also deaf. Yes, they are. Uh, although, can I tell you, I'm still... Here's the thing, though. Here's what I'm glad about, is that I still have enough of my hearing that um, if I go to a show and I forget uh, my hearing protection, it'll it'll hurt, which I think is a good sign, right? Because if you're truly deaf, 
You'll be like one of those idiots that I you see at the show. are so damaged. She's standing by the monitors going, yeah! You know, and she's like, it's not too late. So we were at the Roseland on Friday, and I was there about 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm old. I got eight earplugs. So I go up and I bought them. It's the same thing in Appetite for Deception where it was, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty loud. So I take that as a good sign that I can still feel pain. I was thinking about something. There's a new way to... Um Market hearing protection. Mm. Instead of calling them earplugs, because everybody thinks you're just like a big wuss if you have right. earplugs. Totally. You can call. You could start like having a product called uh, ear condoms. Yeah, that sounds like something I want to buy. Ear condoms like protection for your ears. Protect your ears. An ear condom sounds like I'd wear an ear condom. They sound like latex earmuffs. <laughs> That's exactly. I'm picturing like a over your ear kind of a thing. No, but they can call them ear condoms, and they can have like you know different sizes for different you know different <laughs> sized ears. Like you have to wear a magnum. That's a terrible idea. I think that's a bad, bad idea. These are the worst headphones ever. I don't know what you just gave me. These <laughs> those, talk, those are sound like I'm talking. Yeah, and you know it's that they've been inside of another person's. They've ears. been in, inside uh, Richie's ears. Um, so no, no, no. Those are the guest headphones we use. Uh, they cost like three dollars because our other guest headphones either would be damaged or would vanish. Yeah. So we are no longer spending. We can't have nice things. So we are no longer spending any decent, any amount of money on our guest headphones. Okay. So sorry about that. I should have brought mine. Yes. Yeah, it's too late for that now. All right. new in Timmy Ryan lands. Oh man. So last time we saw uh, Sarah oh. said that there's uh, there have been happenings in the oh, yeah. in the love life of Timmy Ryan. But yeah. I don't know because he didn't he hasn't given me any explanation. Please to explain. All right, well I'll give you the the complete rundown. All right, actually, hold on. I'll start with I'll start with what happened and then I'll lead up to basically how it happened. All my stuff was thrown out into the front lawn. Yeah, when <laughs> Saturday night. Fantastic. I mean, not what for you. What kind of stuff? Everything. What was? Any, anything, how old did you have? Was it all at Shelley's house? Yeah, yeah. Anything, well, what was there? Anything? Well, I had clothing, uh, guitars. Because you're basically laptop. living. Because you were basically living no, there. I'm not really living there. Well, on the weekends especially. Because clothes, you know, guitars, and your laptop. You're living there. The reason why I was your there, laptop and your guitars were yeah. all on the front lawn. On the lawn. Alert you? No. Well, I'll, I'll explain why I was there. First off, I'm usually there on the weekends because, as you know, you may or may not know, I do weekend mornings on KUFO, yes. and it's it's like a five second drive from where she's at versus sure. I live up on. You know, 122nd and so, something. So you basically spend time with her out of convenience. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I had one of those before. Yeah. <laughs> I got you said that, and you just immediately went with it. All right. Okay. No, no, she's cool. Anyway. Uh-huh. Well, she wasn't cool the other night. But I don't blame her. I got over it. Yeah, what did you do? To, did, she what to, led to all of your things being on the lawn? Like your laptop, that even. That seems like you know, something bad. I, I like how you guys automatically assume it's something I did. It wasn't something I did. I swear to God. All right, here we go. So... Um, I decided to go running the other night, ran like 10 miles. Because you're healthy. And did yeah. you end up at a bar? <laughs> no, 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 no. Run into another <laughs> girl's pants. <laughs> no. So I get done running, and I'm exhausted, and I get this phone call from Shelly. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet some of my friends. We're going to go out and, you know, go out for some drinks. I'm like, okay, kick ass. So a couple of hours passes. She's still not home. She's extending like, <laughs> me drunken text messages, so I know what's going on. And here's the thing with her. When she gets really drunk, you know, I can't really sleep next to her because she snores. And she doesn't shower before she passes out, so she smells of booze and cheap cigarettes. <laughs> you're a, you're you're really seductive. No, no, it's true. So it's like I have to get up early to do you know weekend mornings on KUFO, and I I was already exhausted, so I decided to sleep in her basement. Uh, usually that's a sign because there's no it's a no snow zone. Is that no. like Scotty J's pillow wall? But it's a no Probably, snore. Yeah. Usually, it's it's a, a, that it, basically means don't come down. Uh, it's the no snore zone. Yeah, yeah, it's kind right. of yeah, it's it's my little protective bunker, and it, it's worked up to the limit. This so is like how Clyde and I shared a hotel room in Vegas at one point. That was ill advised, and I ended up sleeping in the bathtub. Yeah. Same reason, right? Yeah. All right. So anyway, um, she started drinking at like eight. It's like two thirty in the morning when she gets. And back. you got to get up when? 
uh, five. You got to get up at five a.m. to be on the air, uh, right? Yeah, you got to be bright. So. And so, uh, you know, whatever. So she comes in, and I hear this time. Hey, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wait, you're in the basement. She comes down yeah, to yeah. find you. Right, like a zombie girlfriend. Right. right, and she's never done this. I go, what do you want? She's like, just want to say yes, you And I'm like, no, no. I'm like, no. Like, I'm trying to sleep. I got to get up in a few hours. I'm exhausted. Leave me alone. Right, I'll say next to you. Like, Jesus, what did you drink? Because she never gets that drunk. Right. She has a limit. She. Did you just dump that? I think you said, did you say something, what I think you just said? The Kennedy's on St. Patrick's No, something after that. I thought I heard something else come out. No. All right, well, whatever. Sorry about that. She's like the Kennedy's on St. Patrick's Day. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. All right. Whatever. Move on. Anyway, um, so uh, um, I told her to leave me alone. I got to go get some sleep. I kind of push her off of me. She's like, fine. Goes cranking up the stairs, and then I start hearing all these drawers open. Oh, wow. Do <laughs> you hear, like, cutlery wiggling around? Oh, and I'm going, what? what is she doing out there? She's like, you can tell you stab and get the hell out. And, and she's insane, Wait, right? So this is Friday night or Saturday night? Uh, Saturday night. Saturday night, like, late, 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 late. Right. Saturday night, like Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. Right, yeah. right, exactly. So uh, she's, I hear stuff. I hear things being gathered. And I go upstairs. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like... You get the hell out! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're out of your mind. Like, did somebody slip you a roofie or something? <laughs> and so this goes on for like 20 minutes. And um, anyway, anyway, you're getting less and less sleep. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, you're not going to do anything. And so I go downstairs when I hear her front door open. Oh, that's right. You're not going to throw that away, woman. <laughs> so she, so she starts hacking up all the clothes that I had in there out into like this little alleyway, and, uh, and my guitars, my laptop. Everything, and she's like, "You can go f other girls. I don't care." Rob, I'm like, what, what, "Whatever." So That's going to get quoted back at some point, by the way. <laughs> Honey, you <laughs> maybe you told me. All right, so I'm only doing what you told me. So anyway, I think things were broken. Whatever, and I still can't find <laughs> things. Things are not working right right now. And so I, you know, I kind of, I'm like, you know, so I wake up the next morning and I'm like, "F her, I hate her." And then I kind of figured out, okay, that was the booze talking. Uh-huh. I mean, this sounds really bad, but it really was the booze talking. So anyway, I came over and talked to her the next day, and apparently her uh, she, she had like a half bottle of wine, like four beers, five ciders, did she, and like four shots of scotch. Did she cop to it all being her fault? Yes. All right. So Absolutely. She, was, no, because, she was penitent? Because here's the thing. She is the most normal, sane person I know. Well, I was just going to say that can't possibly be true, but then I was going to say maybe that is true and how sad that, that is. That is true, and she can't handle her Because she bites you in public. Yeah, she did that one time, but like she she can't handle her booze, and so I just said, look, if this ever does happens again. Does she have roommates or does she live by herself? Huh? No, she lives by herself. Okay, yeah. good. So nobody else was witnessing this. Well, least. except your just neighbors. Me. <laughs> <laughs> did any of the neighbors come out? No, but she was kind of afraid that you know she was going to be you know paid a visit by Mr. Landlord today. For yeah. But I don't think anybody was home because I didn't see anybody outside. And she was she was loud as hell too. So did you have to go out in the middle of the night and start dragging your stuff back in off the lawn? Well, I didn't drive. I, I dragged it in my car and left. But I mean, oh, really? Oh, so oh, then you went you home. Yeah, I, I totally left. Did you go home or did you come here to sleep? No. <laughs> no, I, I went to my house. Okay, well, you know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm going to sit here like a transient. I, dude, I it's a radio under, station. I, yeah, I should have just, just went under the bridge with a bottle of night train. Wow. That is it. That's an interesting story. So what story. happened? So, so what has happened in the... Oh, I guess that was yesterday oh. morning. Yeah. So this is... Okay, so this is like yesterday. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we uh, we kind of talked about it. And um, everything's okay and ended up effing, and I think everything's all right in Tim and Shelley land right now. The end. Jesus. I, you know, 
I just don't even know how to respond to that. I, you guys really like, you are this, fascinating. Are you guys, are you guys uh, is she still your... Your woman? Wait, what is it? What do you call her? Quasi-girlfriend. My QG, yes. Is she still QG. your QG? Yes. Seems uh, like you guys are a little emotionally involved to just be quasi. Hmm? Seems like the, uh, emotions are flaring. That makes it. That takes it from quasi. It does seem serious. like there's emotional investments on the both sides here. I don't know. We dig each other. We're cool with each other. But you know, when she's not biting, you were throwing your stuff on the lawn. True. Well, I was hanging out with Terry from the street team. We were all hanging out, and uh, Shelly got all pissed off because I compared girls to little boxes of cereal. So <laughs> that didn't go over too. Please well. to explain. <laughs> well, you know, it's like you never. I don't like like when you go camping, when you go out in the world. You know, you don't like to commit to just one box of cereal. You like to take the variety pack. Right, exactly. When you're done, you throw the box away, and you have something new the next morning. So, <laughs> And so... so which, were you guys broken which, up for a date? You you your mouth all over it which, kind of, cereal. which kind of cereal would Shelly be? Um, she more Raisin Bran or more Fruit Loops? Fruit Loops. <laughs> <laughs> she'd, be, she'd be Scotch Whiskey Loops. I'm sorry. Was that... there any... <laughs> Yeah, she'd be Fruit Loops with Scotch whiskey poured all over. Timmy, was there any point yesterday that you were um, single for a few hours and took advantage of it? Take advantage of that? Sounds like she gave you the pass. No, of course. I would never do that. Here's the thing. See, here's... Can I... I have a theory about this. I almost don't even want to bring this up because I don't think we have time to really talk about it. I can move David Letterman and we can go to the top. Well, let me just say this, and we'll see how long it takes us to talk about this. I have, a, and by, I'm not the first person to say this. I think Aaron made some observation of this effect. I, I have this theory. When we say things like, "So during that time that she said drunkenly, go have other girls," did you do that? And then you sort of get that Cheshire cat grin on your face, which clearly is meant for us to either assume you did or to ask you further if you did. I have this whole belief, and tell me if I'm wrong, that. And I think Aaron said the same thing, that you, you really just want to either do it and get caught, or you just, you know what I mean? It seems yeah, like, it like you're, you are It seems like you, de- like you desperately want to have this thing where you F some other girl and she calls you on it. And I have a theory as to why. Why? Because you said on this program, and, you know, at any point, if this is none of my business, you just tell me. no. Uh, I, like I say, knowing the whole thing is none of my business. But you had you said on the show, you said you had a hard time being monogamous. Yeah. And that you, get, much you so. get bored and you cheat and whatever. Right. And so then we have this thing where she says, well, go have other girls. And then, you, you you know, and we say, well, did you? And you say, well, la, 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 la. And you just sort of laugh. I have this whole thing that you do this and you have this sort of reaction and you say things really openly. Like on the radio, like, I cannot be monogamous. You say this because you... My theory, arms. this is my armchair psychology, you do this because you like her, and this is no reflection on her, really honestly, I believe, from your point of view. I believe you dig her, but don't feel like you can be monogamous, and so you are sort of... Mentally pass- preparing her? No, you are passively pushing for a confrontation about this because you wish to have a committed but open relationship with her. And so you are passively pushing for a confrontation... So it gives you an excuse to just blurt out to her what you really wish you could say to her, like, in a calm, rational fashion. But you can't say it to her in a calm, rational fashion because you're afraid she'll tell you to get bent. That's pretty much what she's told me. But, I mean, is that the thing? Do, I mean, do you I, agree with I me? I would totally agree That's with the that. thing is, in your ideal world, and I'm not passing any moral judgment, in your ideal world, you probably do dig her. Sounds like you really do. You like her. But that you don't want to be monogamous. But it seems like you probably don't want to just sit down and go, Look, I'd like for us to really date and that's, you know, to have a real connection, but I want to F a lot of other girls because you know that she would say, like, 
like get bent or you know go to hell. Yeah, we've had that conversation. And, that's what she told me. And so see, so but you are. It seems like you by saying things on the air like I can't be monogamous, and by having these sorts of conflagrations with her, you are passively pushing for a confrontation on the issue, so that you it gives you an excuse to just sort of blurt out like the, to, to to draw the line in the sand. Well, no. Here here's the thing with her though. She is the. Uh, she is the longest girl that I've had that, you know, I haven't, you know, really screwed around with on. Right. I mean, you know, as as far as, you know, you know, effing around. Right, you know, yes. I mean. Right, but I'm saying but, but well, I, I told her I made out, you know, at least a couple of girls. She she didn't really like it, but I told her about it. But I but it seems like you, you just you have such uh like you've done this like like she's not your girlfriend, she's your quasi girlfriend and you kinda live there but you don't really live there and you make a lot of public statements but you can't be monogamous and you guys have these fights. It seems like there's what she wants in the relationship, and there's what you want in the relationship. And it seems like you you are kind of passively trying to force the issue so you can just once and for all lay it out and be like, this is what I... Hello, Dr. Phil. No, 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 I'm just saying, maybe I'm wrong. I still but think it, so it is, like, passive, all... and like, especially, like, on-air comments. I and mean, we all know, are aware of what we say when we're sure, on the air. Yeah. Like, there's, like, everyone's passive-aggressive. Again, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not saying that again. Maybe I'm wrong. But it seems to me like you are, like you are passively be- between the lines over and over and over again trying to trying to sort of force the issue. You know what I mean? I don't know. It seems like, it, okay, am I, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. In your ideal world, and I'm only saying this because you've sort of alluded to this, in your ideal world, you would have a committed but non-monogamous relationship with her. Hmm, I don't know. A committed but non-monogamous in other relationship. Words, in other words, you, in other words, you, guys, you guys don't, well, no, I'm saying in other words, you guys, uh, you guys have an emotional connection. You yeah. Did her, but you don't feel like you can be monogamous. In the past, I have not been, no. Okay, so... So what do you feel, like, with Shelly? Do you feel like you can be monogamous? Or you're, are, do you feel like... You, in some long ways, term. By you dropping these hints, do you feel like you're mentally preparing her for the fact that you might sleep with somebody else? Or are you sort of... Do you feel like you're, in other words... Sort I of that term, sleep with somebody else, by the way. All right, have sex with But you are sort life. of... Do you feel like you're sort There's of... There's no sleeping involved with me. Do you feel like you're... <laughs> I find that very hard to believe. Just, just short periods of passing out, followed by more sex. <laughs> um, but do you feel like you are passively trying to say to her, "This is how I need to have my relationships"? I don't know. Maybe I. That's my theory, and I think Aaron said something no, to that effect too. Every, I, every, every, maybe I'm wrong. Every girl that I've cared about has, you know, literally, it's true. Every girl that I've cared about, my stuff has th- been thrown out into the front lawn. Right. And so it even happened. Like, it even happened here. So I don't know. Um. So, uh, somebody, by the way, has uh, somebody, by the way, has just typed on the screen, oh, and it's not you. Around? Kristen Bowie said, no, "You no, just no. said, Rick. Hey, it's Kristen. You nailed it." So that's my theory. I don't know. I'm not trying to be inside your head. I guess I am, sort of. So, do you think? What do you? So, in, in your assessment, Rick, do you think he ultimately wants to be with Shelley, or do you think? I, he's just I think he likes her. I think that he likes her. He really is into her. Thinks she's a cool person. That they have fun. But I think you are a. Non-monogamous by nature. B, you f- have this thing that in your head you will eventually sleep with somebody else, and it's going to undo the whole relationship. So you are already mentally like laying down the softening of the ground true. for He's it, like prepping her for it. Because the more he brings it up, the more desensitized she comes to the fact that it might totally. actually happen. And so, so let me ask you this: If she came to you and she said, "Look, we really get along. We seem to like each other. We have a lot of fun. I think you're a cool person. I hope you know. I think you like me. I know that you have difficulty in your opinion being committed and monogamous." You know, blah, 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 blah. Let's, you know, we'll still have this relationship or this connection. But if you feel like you have to sleep with somebody else, whatever, that's that's your business, whatever. Would you be okay with that? 
Or would you think it was weird? Is it like Rick having his full bottle of Ativan and not necessarily using it, but knowing that he has the totally. option That's there? That's the thing. I don't know. It, it feels like you are slowly, like, maneuvering into, trying to, like, passively maneuvering into that. I'm not saying you're being deviant about it, but I'm saying, you know what I mean? So, in other words, if I was given a, you know, if I was on a diet, but I'm, you know, being a, a given, I'm given a gift certificate to the Olive Garden. Yes, you might not use it, but... You're like, well, you know, if I ever wanted to, it's here. Because Maybe. then, because then you would not have this feeling of doom in your head that, like, oh, God, if I cover because up... Because it isn't like a, like the end of a road, like a dead-end road. Right. right. Okay, that's fair. So I think that is just my theory, that that is really what you want the, the relationship to be, dynamic-wise. But you know that if you just flat-out ask her that, hey, is it okay if I uh, hump this other chick occasionally? Like, she's going to say no. But you were sort but of. The, but the understanding's already in place. And I, yeah, and I think you're trying to get the understanding in place by passively forcing the issue, so it comes to a head, and you have to like have it out about it. I no, I've already told her while I'm with her, I'm not going to do anything with anybody else, as far as you know, having the intercourse. What about would you have? Uh, would you be doing the tongue kissing? No, I've already made out with a couple of girls. She knows about that. Recently. I wouldn't say real. I see, but do you see what I mean? I like, if you're exactly already. Like, this is not going. Like, you're going to have to make a decision. At some that, point, this is not going to go. That's well. what I'm saying. The road, in my yes, opinion. Yes, we're going to get married. The road you're going down, though, is going to end exactly the bad <laughs> way you predicted it to end, unless, and I think in your head, you know this, unless you can find some kind of compromise. And again, I keep, I feel like you are always, like, passively trying to get, even maybe trying to get her to suggest that compromise. All I know is that every time I've been with somebody exclusively, it goes down in flames. Right. Ever, no, every single guy. No, no, I believe you. <laughs> Trust me, I think I we believe you. It's really, 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 really bad. It's never ended nicely. Right. It's, it's never ended with a handshake and a hug. <laughs> it's just handed, it's kicked in your groin and all your crap here, on fire. Here's, here's an angry alligator. That, that's what I get handed. That didn't make any sense. That was the weirdest way to go out. All right. Well, just my theory combined with Aaron's email combined with the observations of a few other people. Okay. All Maybe right. We'll have Shelly on tomorrow. That's a great idea. And I'm sorry. Uh, Timmy, we didn't get to your top five. We'll do it tomorrow. That the to sucks. Top five. We'll do, we'll do, That's a kick-ass. You're yeah. here tomorrow. That, that, you're here oh, tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow, you oh, bastard. That's right. Okay. Jesus. You've got to write a great, like, introductory paragraph. Seriously. This is time for you to, to, to write an introduction and so forth. So tomorrow, top five songs of douchebag guys guaranteed to play in the jukebox at the blue collar, collar bar where you're hanging out. I have a lot By the of experience. way, the, the place that we hang out at, Timmy Ryan, um, yeah, those are on all. Actually, I have to go to Sweet Home this week. That's that's why. Lucky you. Yeah, I'm going to Sweet Home, doing stuff with the Jamboree, and there's this bar called The Frontier. Uh-huh. And uh, every time I go in there, all the songs I picked out are playing at some point. Excellent. By the douchebag. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Bob Costantini for joining us today. Also, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Ron Dante from the Archies uh, and uh, Nina Parker from TMZ.com. Uh, like us next, Mike O'Mara Show at 7. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phone's Timmy Ryan. And for Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, CBS Radio Portland uh, marketing guru, uh, Susan Don't. F with me, Reynolds. As always, thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Like us next. Bye now.